Welcome to the Think Free Rebellion, the podcast for independent thinkers to rebel against ignorance, manipulation, dogma, doctrine and the fears and temptations that stop us being ourselves and living our best lives. Go to MakeRelationshipsSimple.com to join us at an event or find more information. To lose or gain in 2021? Three. Gain a marriage. Lose a few pounds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm with you all the pounds, but yes. I said gain gain a marriage and lose a few pounds. I thought you said gay marriage. <laughs> <laughs> it's all coming out now. <laughs> it's, it's it's an alternative um, dating strategy. Yeah. Whole new market. Yeah. No, there was two. I'd, I'd echo the weights, but it would be gain muscle and lose fat. How about that? That's okay, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Lose weight, get fit, find a the lovely gentleman. That's it. No marriage. Uh, nah. Uh. I'm off marriage. I'm off marriage. <laughs> You've been put off. How, how long were you married for, Sandra? If you don't mind me asking. 34 years. That's 34? a lifetime. Wow. That's too long. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, yeah. much longer than mine. Blimey. You beat me by over a decade. Yeah. 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 Have you been, you've been married, haven't you, Rob? I was, yeah. Yeah. I was married, I think, 14 years. Were well, you looking for deeper answers, Rob? Are they a bit too superficial? <laughs> no, no, that's right. It was, it was only the, the warm up. <laughs> so we're going to go deeper. <laughs> so you found the perfect relationship now. <laughs> yeah. Sorry? I said, so you found the perfect relationship now. How do you mean? I'm teasing you. Oh, okay. Yeah, no. You said it was the warm-up, Sam, so saying you found the perfect one now. Oh, okay. oh, I see, like the marriage is a warm-up, yeah. Uh, uh, okay. Um, right, so the next bit is, right, in order for you, so we're talking about mastery. So you can only master so many things. So... What are the, say, three to seven things that would be essential for you to live a happy, meaningful and worthwhile life? Within one category or do you mean different categories of life? Different categories. So I would I would suggest health, money, career, relationships are probably almost universal. Self-development. I don't know whether that's mastery. That's more of a life journey, that, isn't it? Well, that's mastery, mastery of yourself, yeah. So yeah. that's probably, yeah, that's probably another. That's one I hadn't counted. Or is that, yeah, I mean, it's sort of combined with relationships, I suppose. Yeah, but there's the self. There's the self-actualization of self. But the, there isn't the relationship the extension of the self. It is an extension, but to really be fulfilled in a relationship, I think you have to 
work on yourself. So it's it's this mm. to me, it's the rounding of self as as the individual and the extension into into a relationship which completes the 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 completes you. Yeah. Yeah. We, which is, which is where I was going to say, like, the, you have the relationship to have mastered yourself to master the relationship. Yeah, you could classify it as a relationship with yourself as well. Mm. Yeah. Okay. I suppose it goes back to the whole the, the old saying, um, love yourself. You have to learn to love yourself first before you can love somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Um, does anyone have any different freedom freedom mm. yeah <laughs> i was about to say independence yeah same thing what are you thinking about covid 19 now are you <laughs> uh how did you guess <laughs> well, well i know when in I, that I, case I you might say next walks over the weekend in the snow um with some family and it just reminded me of the saying that the best things in life are free and we, you know, you do take it for granted that those type of things, you could do it without question. You could go where you want, do what you want, and we can't can't do that anymore. So, um, yeah, yeah. when things are taken away, you you can value them more, can't you? It's easy to think of all the things that we've lost and that we're restricted to doing at the moment, but there's you can never. I don't think anyone can ever completely lose a sense of freedom. No one can ever um, completely take anybody's freedom. There's always something that someone can't take away from you. It's it's like that quote from um, Viktor Frankl, isn't it? The last, yeah. the last freedom is it? Is the last freedom is is the ability to choose your response? Yes. Okay. Is there anyone? Um, um, are you are you there, Betty? Hello, I'm just getting dressed. Oh, okay. Um, what we're doing is because there's such a small group, we're doing the right breakout rooms in here. So feel free to join in if if you want to, and when you're ready. Um, okay. So is there any? on that list that anyone feels doesn't apply to them. So like self or relationships, uh, money, relation, uh, money, health, career. Career, I'd say. I don't feel like I don't really connect to that one. Okay. Um, but yeah. Um, was there another one? Health, um, health, career, money, relationships. Freedom. Freedom. You see, what we haven't got on there is happiness, although you might say what makes you happy. But uh, all those things don't necessarily always make you happy. I mean, just because you're healthy, you've got a career and all that, you've got to kind of understand what's missing in your life. So, uh, like everybody else on the call, I suppose, um, I mean, I could have 10 million quid sitting here in a bag. Um, but, you know, if you're kind of on your own, you haven't really got a relationship with anybody. It's not, you know, it'll be nice, but it's not really a fulfilling thing. I think having having good relationship with yourself and a good relationship with others is it 
that brings happiness in and of itself. I think it'd be very difficult to have a good relationship with yourself and others and not be happy. Yeah, that, that's being comfortable with yourself, I suppose, is what you're saying. Um, so, really, you are. so really that list is about the self-mastery is being comfortable with yourself, being yourself. Um, to, in my interpretation, that is also freedom, like as we had the whole free, um, think free thing. Um, so it's it's. So I, I think if you have mastery of health, that you feel as as good as you can. If you have mastery of um, your career, you you do something meaningful. Um, if you have mastery of money, then you, you're free of the money worries. If you have um, relationships, then you have good relationships, and um, so, so it's a sense of, of 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 control over your life. Yeah, I mean, so, yeah, it, it's um, no, in a way. Yes, it's really about the way I I conceptualize it is that you have um, you've confronted the main problems that we have. I suppose parenting would be another one for people who have children. Yeah, I was thinking parenting, but then I was thinking maybe that comes under relationships. It does, but then that's a lot to... It's a what about parenting, though? It's a responsibility. Sorry, Alan? What about parenting? Um, I'm, I'm just saying that's probably, if you have children, that's probably another... Um, Ma a mastery. Thing that somebody mastery. wants mastery over. Uh, how do you get rid of the kids? Uh, yeah, you know. How to keep them close? <laughs> keep them safe. I thought I was going to say how to keep the, them close. We got the spectrum. <laughs> it's their time to go. <laughs> it, it's funny. The reason I, the, I spoke, the reason I asked that question about the parents in one was because, like, you know, when you you've got your mind, your mind's eye, and you think, yeah, that's not impossible. That's not impossible. That's not impossible. But in terms of parents, and for some reason, I had like a. Like just like blackness in terms of, I don't think you could ever gain mastery over that. That was what my mind was telling me, and that's why I. Asked no, that. you can definitely. Pardon? You can definitely. It's just like in your career, like you get better at it as you spend more time, sort of navigating it and stuff mm. like that. Yeah, no, I agree. It was just you know when your brain has just got like a fog and doesn't kind of like go along with what you. Th kind of thinking yourself so logically you can but my mind was saying no you can't that's why I asked that question I don't know why also we I... have to accept that with parenting um, there are um, there are the bits that you can control and there are the bits that you can't because you're dealing with other individuals and it's acceptance of yourself having done the best that you can do um yeah you know I, I think sometimes people put too much emphasis on the things that they think that you should do as a parent and they see themselves as having failed if they did not do those things um whereas if you were to speak to the child you would get a probably get a totally different perspective because they are not looking through um, those eyes. And I think sometimes we're too critical of ourselves. The result of that, the pressure that we put on ourselves lead to, lead to unhappiness. 
can lead to unhappiness because we feel that we have failed. Do you think parenting is harder than any of the others? There's more intricacies to it than others. I think it requires you to give a lot more in some in some circumstances. Um, and you're not, it's not, you give without necessarily expecting to get an equivalent in return. Um, so it demands some selflessness on your part. And I, I, it's, it's how that plays out. I think that's what's important in, in the long run. I think it's more or less the same principles or ideologies applied to a normal relationship with a child. But I will say it is harder in the sense that you are dealing with a little person. When you, when you are dealing with a partner, you are dealing with an adult. Well, let's the just whole brain. That the brain's completely developed at that stage. Yeah. So the We've other got person. Their own wisdom and exactly. So assuming the other person is not is is a normal person, you are dealing with another adult. You may disagree on things, but you're going to get a sensible response, or you're going to get something that you can discuss things through. With a child, you are going to get a lot of pure feelings coming back, and you have to learn to sort that through. You get that with adults as well. I mean, that's what I'm saying. It really depends. Um, so, I mean, I've had this in my own relationship with my spouse, I guess, ex-spouse, I suppose, uh, where you get a lot of illogical responses back, but then if you ignore all that and you get to the core message, you kind of go, oh, you're upset about the thing, aren't you? But, you know, what you're saying has got nothing to do with what, it, what you feel. But Adults have more introspection in, introspection in that respect. Is that yeah. kind but of with, where the with, difference lies? Yeah. But with children, you see, you get that all the time. Uh, and you have to learn to cut through that. So they might say, oh, you're just being too much and this, that, the other, because they cannot see the sense in what you're saying sometimes, or rather they don't want to see it because they want to play, they don't want to study, or they don't want to go to bed now because they don't feel tired. But they're not thinking about the consequences of tomorrow morning when they're going to be tired. Or they can't see what you see because they haven't got the life experience. They don't understand that all these things are going to lead to something negative. You understand it because probably you've done it and you experienced it or you've seen it, but they haven't and it's not real to them. It's a bit yeah, like people who still... They can't think in abstract yet. So. Well, it's a bit like people are still saying, you know, COVID-19 isn't that bad. Well, you know, <laughs> almost 100,000 people died, so it can be very bad for some people. How can you say? So um, it's, it's, it's a bit like that. So I think in that sense, it's harder because you have to learn not to allow your own feelings to get in the way. And that's very difficult, at least for me, because they are your child and you are emotionally connected. If it was somebody else's child, you could actually be a lot more calmer and, uh, funny enough, better parent in that sense because you are not allowing your emotions to get the better of you. And you can kind of coolly kind of explain things and, the, you know, that probably will get through, the message will get through better. But when it's your own kid, 
get over there, get it down, <laughs> don't give a film, you know, yeah, you, 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 because, or, or they study, you haven't studied hard enough or whatever, because you know they can do it, but they're just being lazy. Um, so in that sense, I think it's harder, but it's exactly the same principles. For example, um, by the way, stop me if I'm dominating the conversation. Um, I find, for example, with my kids, one thing I have always done is been absolutely honest and clear about my things. So they know that I'm a man of my word. If I say it, I'm going to do it. But that also places a lot of responsibility on me to be careful not to say something I don't want to do. Yeah. So if I say, if you do that, you're going to get into trouble, then I have to follow it through if they do it. Um, but and it got to a point, for example, that, you know, it, I do a joke and sometimes when I joke, my face is very serious. So sometimes I will say something and kids will look at me and go, are you joking that? And if I say, yes, I'm joking, because then, then I will tell them that I'm joking, you know, then, then they know and they have a laugh about it. But so the point is that kids know that there are boundaries and they know that it's consistent. And the same thing with your spouse. Uh, they know that they can trust what you say they know that there are certain boundaries and that you're consistent. If you say you're going to do something, you will do it. You know, I would obviously say you're serious about it. So you, the integrity bit, the honesty bit, the reliability bit always has to be exactly the same because that, that puts people at ease, I think. Uh, they know what they're dealing with. They don't have to try and figure it out. It builds trust. Yeah, absolutely. That they know that they can rely on you then. The um, other factors, though, that we have been mentioning, um, if those are out of sync, it is very difficult to be the best parent that you can be. Yeah. Patient. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and you can always be a better parent, Yeah. Uh, which kind of comes to what Alan was saying a little bit. You can always be better. I suppose if you have 200 kids, by the time you get to the 200th one, well, you know, no problem. You've probably seen it all. But, you know, none of us are going to go that far, I hope. Um, but <laughs> at the end of the day, I think the two relationships are the same. You're just applying it to different people. But applying it to your own kid because of the feelings involved and because of the, because you're not dealing with an adult. As, as it's more said. difficult not to take it personally. I don't take it personally, even, I mean, I remember my, my, uh, he, he's now 19 now, but uh, when he was a kid, sometimes, you know, he used to be naughty, I used to tell him off, and he used to say to me, I hate you, I don't like you, and I used to say to him, that's okay, I still love you very much, and he had nowhere to go, because <laughs> I didn't take it personally, you know, uh, straight away, he kind of went, oh, he's not responding back, <laughs> what do I say now? You know, so yeah, it just diffused everything. Yeah, because he was a kid, and I knew he was just saying it because he was upset. Uh, it, it, because he's just a kid, right? It was only like uh, six or seven or whatever he was at the time. Um, and it's like that. I mean, I've had that with my thirteen-year-old. Uh, he was um, he was really hormones must have been kicking, and you know, as it happens with teenagers, and he. He was really upset with me because I didn't let him carry on playing the game and I made him come out shopping with me. Uh, and that's an important lesson for him to learn because he needs to learn to contribution and all the rest of it, you know, to being part of the family. And, you know, he turned around and said, 
Right. Uh, is it too late to move out and go and live with mum? No, fine. If you really want to do that, I don't have a problem if that's what you want to do. Um, and you kind of kept it going for a while during the shopping. And then, and, and he thought that that was it, he's going to go. And then when he realized that I was actually shopping for him as well, he kind of totally turned around and he was really sorry for what he was said and all the rest of it. And I could feel the emotions in his face and in his eyes. So I suppose you don't take it personally, but you are consistent. And if he wanted to follow that through, I will do allow him to, because you know if, if that's what he wants to do, he can do that. Um, so he knows that I'm consistent and I will approach, uh, I, I mean what I say. I didn't tell him you have to go, but I said to him, if that's what you want to do, then that's perfectly fine. You can do that. Okay, I'm going to play devil's advocate. Go for it. You talk about consistency um, in approach. So why is it that we can do it with our children, but we are not very good at doing it with our other, with our partners? In what way? That's exactly the question I was going to ask. Okay, go on. Then. I, in, in what way? I mean, I was always consistently a liar. No, I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think as um, we make allowances for children because we see them as children. Yes. But the, the problem is inside of all of us, there's a little child. And sometimes that little child comes out. Right. But we look at the adult and don't see the little child inside. Yes. But um, so, so give me a scenario where you think uh, we will well, be inconsistent. So, sometimes maybe your ex-wife or some, uh, someone yeah. else, yeah. maybe someone you even work with, they act like a child. And, and may, they don't directly act like a child. But from a childish emotion, right. they do something that is related to yes. to that. Was that what you were going to ask, Sandra? Um, yeah, but more from the from the perspective of 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 me, the person, not somebody else with me. I'm thinking of okay, um, I can be rational and I can be um, consistent. And I can, you know, with my child and I lay down the ground rules and I will listen and I do all the things that one ought to do. However, if I'm having the same issue or a similar issue with an adult, another set of um, things come into play. And you're right, um, because it's an adult, you're expecting so in some respects a different an adult response, but what you're getting is the equivalent of a childish response. And it throws you off. So in that sense, you also start to act in not the, the, the way that you would with a child. Because what's in front of you is not a child. You're thrown okay. off your off, off of your, your game. So um it's a different dynamic there though, isn't yeah. it? So with a child there's there's the authority there which isn't the same with a spousal relationship but I think maybe it's that there's um, less this and this we've got more idea of what our roles and responsibilities are when it comes to kids but maybe not so much as partners well yes and actually following on from exactly that Sasha um, what I was going to say was that I wouldn't treat an adult like a child and vice versa so I may be consistent, 
and truthful to both of them, but the way I talk and the truths that I explain are not going to be exactly the same way. It's not that it's going to be lying. For example, um, you know, uh, my, well, cer certain things that uh, happened in in my relationship um, was relayed to my son. Now, the way I discuss those with my ex isn't the way I will discuss them with my son. I mean, he came and asked me about it. Uh, it's not something that I would have wanted him to know about because it was just between me and the ex. But, you know, um, and, and, and the way you explain it is different, but it is still truthful. I mean, if, if it must be known, just, just so because I can see puzzled faces. So, for example, uh, we had two, I've got three kids. Um, so we had a boy and a girl, and I was quite comfortable with that. And at the time, I was going through a, uh, a difficult period in terms of financial income. I was in between jobs. I was trying to build up a, build up a business. I wasn't too comfortable or I was afraid, I suppose, if you want to call it that, in terms of am I going to have enough income for you know all the rest of it? Because when you work for yourself, your income is not guaranteed, as it were. Um, and my ex was desperate to have another baby. And I was petrified that, you know, if this income drops and then we got a baby, all this expenditure, but we got a boy and a girl. And, you know, so there was this ensuing argument. Anyway, in the end, she fell pregnant anyway, and she, and she, 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 had, the, she had the baby. And that was fine. It all turned out okay. But when you say to the child, your dad didn't want a third child, to child that might mean something else. So I still have to be truthful with him and explain to him my reasons that it wasn't actually that I didn't want him or that, you know, it wasn't personal. It wasn't that I don't want him or I don't want a child. In fact, if anything, I remember me saying, let's wait and if we get enough money, then maybe we can have two kids and they can grow up together, you know. So you have to kind of explain it in a child's language in a way that he will understand. So the consistency is still there. Truthfulness is still there. But the words you choose and the way you explain it will be different because their ability to understand the brain development is different. And so the way I treat an adult, um, if they're behaving childishly, it may be different because you expect better from them by now than you do with a child because they got an excuse there is still a child. So just to play devil's advocate, Go for it. I, I, I think all of us are children. All of us have like the range from children. We can all be childish and we can all be mature. And sometimes adults act as, and I think we have the expectation that adults will act as adults and we treat adults as if they're going to act like adults, but often they don't. You know, even when you look at office politics, it's because we, we act childishly because we want the credit, we want the prize, we want this. So most, I think most people in relationships sometimes act childishly, but because we perceive them as an adult, we treat them differently than we would a child. And because we can see with a child, they're, they're small. Uh, and, and even because our children, we've seen grow up. 
So in our head, there might still be five or seven or something because they're still little, even if they're 15, 16. But with an, an adult, like our partner or people we work with, we don't give the same... Um, what's the words? We, we, we don't give the same... Giving. We are not as forgiving, perhaps. Yeah. Because you, don't there, have, you don't have control, do you? If you've got a child who you're responsible for, you've got that responsibility, and you can tell them what to do. You can dish out the punishments. You can feed them. You can clothe them. You can put a roof over the head. But if you started okay. doing that kind of behaviour in a in a relationship, then it's not going to be very fruitful, is it? And most likely it's going to come into the realms of uh, domestic abuse if you're trying to exert your control over somebody else. And I think we've all got to remember that we are many different things to many different people. There's loads of different aspects of our personality. We behave differently. We are essentially ourselves, but we behave differently in different environments and in front of different people. We speak differently, we act differently. I know you've got to have a level of consistency, um, which is underlying and all that, but I don't think, um, I mean, I, and I don't even know whether this is fully answering your question, Sandra, because when I when you asked, or, or made that comment, sorry, the statement, the way I listened to it was, there was more of a why in there, which was, why am I doing this? And going back to the mastery, I'm mastering being a parent, but I'm mastering how I am in relationships, that's how I picked it up from yourself. Don't know if I'm right or not. In one sense, in one sense yes, because um, even though you think you're being consistent, and you are, but you're quite right, um, the way you express that consistency varies according to who you're interacting with. Um, but nonetheless, you, I'm, I'm always trying to focus on myself, what it is doing to me and how I am I'm feeling because even though you're trying to do that and maintain that um, the response that's coming that you're eliciting from the person that you're interacting with you have no control over that and you have an expectation that as an adult they would um, certain responses would be the norm but if you don't get that then what 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 do you do? How do you how do you handle that? Because it's off piste. It's 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 not as you're saying, um, adults who act like children. But then um Do you mean in, in terms of if someone's behaviour is unacceptable? Pardon? Uh, do you mean if someone's behaviour is unacceptable, how do you handle it? Is that what you mean? It it, it it may not necessarily be totally unacceptable, but it is not what is the expected response. Um, like Errol is saying, um, you know, you get a response which is like a, a, a child, but then a child might say, I hate you. But then when an adult say, says that to you, your response to that is different because as far as you're concerned, you're talking to an adult and they know the power of words and what hate means when you tell somebody that you hate them. 
versus it being it coming from a child and in response you automatically if you're not in if you can't control yourself your response can you know it just starts to go downhill because that that elicits a very strong response from you from a when it comes from a child you you know it's from a child and it's 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 what they can do to get your attention yeah. and, and, and also you change things as well don't you because um, take for example a, a messy a messy person um, if they're a one-year-old you accept it you know <laughs> you can't expect anything more if they're a 10 15 year old um, you might kind of mourn a bit and try and teach them that actually they need to learn to be tidy uh, if they're a 35 year old you kind of got to say but look you know if if you can't sort your mess out maybe you need to live somewhere else and whether that's your child or your spouse, I mean, if it gets to you that much, that is, you're going to have to, you, you, your, your response is more or less the same. I mean, you want I to think tolerate the difference, I think the difference with children and adults there is, is that we've got a responsibility as parents to help them learn the skills to, to yes. clean the room, whereas we don't have that same responsibility with an adult that's on them. And yes. I think in the situation of, it's just about talking and expressing that it bothers you and sort of, asking them to do something about it and I'm sure there's something yes. that would bother them about yeah. about the other so it's yeah. like okay I'm going to make an effort with this and I want to see you making an effort with that sort of thing and let's do this together obviously not everybody's that reasonable and I think that's where the line is if, yeah. if a person's yeah. willing to sort of work and grow together or if they're not yeah. I will add to that in fact to that responsibility I will add the word power to that as well because you have the power over your child to shape them when they're young, of course, uh, after a certain age, you don't have that anymore because they're starting to grow into an adult. And um, and, and a, separate, a, a separate adult, so somebody who's not your child, your spouse, you don't have the power of them at all, whatsoever. And so you may, uh, just as I said, you, you cannot uh, change that person, only they can change themselves. But when they're a child, you can support them in the change journey and they are more susceptible to change. I think a word that comes into play there though is with an adult, you expect a certain amount of respect um, when it comes to your expressing your your wishes, in, especially if it's in a re done reasonably, you know, as you're saying, let's say, can you um, keep the room tidy or can you keep the kitchen clean? you know, we both have to work, we both are whatever, please help. And if the person ignores you as an adult, you feel disrespected. Yes. So to me, that's another um, layer that comes into the adult-adult relationship that's different from what pertains to the adult-child relationship. There is respect, yes, but it's in a different format. It's a different in a different form. I wouldn't even say it's just respect. That would make me feel worthless. Ah, as well. Uh, can I, can I, just I don't know about being and it's, it's about being valued by the other, isn't it? And valuing each other. You know, in relation to the, the icebreaker questions that you're asking, Rob, and you asked what, what people's wishes are. And, um, Sasha, you said about 
um, marriage, you want to get marriage, want to get married. And Sandra, you said you don't want to get married. And I just find that really interesting because you've both got desires and I'm sure they're both equally as powerful, but they're, they're at um, opposite ends of the scale, aren't they? So the one thing that you want is the total opposite. Um, and I'd just be interested if you're happy to answer, you don't have to. What, what's the driving force behind both of those desires? I'm not interested in the vehicle. <laughs> I'm interested in the person that's in, that's in it. So I'm not interested in the marriage. I'm interested in the human. <laughs> yeah. That's that's me. I, I, I second that. Trappings. I, I mean, I have I have all the trappings of the of, yeah. of the marriage and the remnants of the marriage. So I don't want that. What I want is the essence of another human being on a journey with me. Excellent. That is marriage put, for put me. It though, put it there. Put it there. So, so it's essentially the same thing, but just different definitions of it. Yeah. 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 I think so as well. Yeah. I think so when Sasha says marriage, she doesn't mean actually the idea. I don't mean the yeah. I don't mean the white dress and the diamond ring. I'm not talking. <laughs> You're that talking about someone you can share your life with. Yeah. When I yeah. So, so from a realistic point of view. If it was, think, do you do you have a wish that, so to speak, that you can get married this year? And do you think it's a possibility? Don't know. I've been waiting long enough. Hopefully, <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. It's just it's it's just one of them things. I thought you know, four years ago I'd be married by now, and obviously I'm not. So it's just it happens when it happens, and you just gotta keep keep going and keep trying that's that's how i see things do you see it in your mind do you have the image in your mind that's sort of like visualizing the goal type mm. of thing mm. yes yeah, so to some extent yeah but like you can spend all your time visualizing the goal to some extent or at least this is from my experience and it doesn't feel like it's getting you very very far or at least it didn't for me so it's not that i don't have if i actually have to think about marriage i don't see something unhealthy or destructive Mm. Um, so yeah, I'm still like hopeful and it just happens when it happens. So what, what is it about marriage? What, why marriage? Why not just relationship? Um, just, just for religious reasons more than anything. Um, suppose you, suppose you found a gentleman who was perfect. Mm -hmm. And I use it in, you know, um, and he had no desire to get married. Then he's not perfect for me. Oh, okay. Okay, so uh, now you've thrown a spanner in the works. Why can't you just play along? <laughs> <laughs> so what I'm trying to what I'm trying to get at is like the driving force behind it. Hey. I'm trying to get get trying to understand the driving force behind both of your desires. And I'm 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 wondering, Sandra, is yours fear because of ex what you've you've gone gone through in the past in terms of I don't want to go through that again. And is yours, Sasha, maybe expectation? 
I think it's to do with definition of what marriage means to somebody. And what, what's that definition for you? For me, it means like commitment. It means like wanting to do the right thing and all that sort of stuff. Have you been married before? No. I was married for 23 years. You're not missing very much. <laughs> yeah, but, but the thing is, this is what I think when people's marriages break down, they think that marriage is the problem and it's not marriage that was the problem. It no, was, there was other factors that for whatever reason, the relationship yeah, itself true. didn't yeah. work out. Yeah. That's true. That's true. That's yeah. true. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think the marriage itself was a problem. I always uh, wanted to get married because I felt that it signified commitment. Um, you know, if, if you are committed to somebody and this was it and, you you know, you, you weren't the kind of person who was just going to go, well, I'm fed up now, I'm walking out, then you got married because, you know, you were going to be there forever and plus one. Um, and that, that, that was my opinion. But I mean, well, mate, I, don't think the- it's, I don't think it's the forever happy ever after. I don't have that sort of like illusion of, not, I don't know if illusion is the right word, but... I don't see marriage as the fairy tale. It's oh. just a means to a, rela- a good relationship. So, so it's about the, both of you committing, and you're both committed to that relationship and making that determining that you're going to um, spend the life together and working things. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> so when um, because Sandra and I asked the same question. Sandra asked it, but that, that was the question that I had in mind. Um, and I meant it slightly differently from how everyone seemed to take it, is is in the sense of, I don't mean it in the sense of responsibility, but I mean it in the sense of how you respond. So all of us will have childish moments. And it's not about like the role of parent or the role of taking responsibility but i was looking at we react to a child and we say they say you i hate you and you go yeah okay and what the bit that i was trying to get at was we react to an adult we don't have that much space whereas with the child we can say i hate you and we can have that space between us um, and so it's not the, about the retaking responsibility, but when they act as a child, can we have the space to say, okay, there's something they're missing, they're, they're acting like that. Like when an adult does it, we take the action seriously. When a child does it, we don't take the action so seriously. Oh. And so what I'm saying is that if we could, like that commitment is really saying, okay, you're responding like this, but I'm still here for you. I'm still, what do you need to get up so that you react better? Does that make sense? Is that to the child, that scenario? I'm saying that that we we tend to do it with children, but we probably don't with our partners. Because I I know that I I can see there's a difference in me. You, the leeway that you mentioned, that distance, that leeway that you give a child, you 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 are conditioned not to give that to an adult because you are looking at an adult as your equivalent, and you 
do not think that that's an appropriate response coming from an, another adult to you. And therefore, your reaction is based on that, whereas you understand that a child is developing. And sometimes they use words inappropriately or they lash out, um, but it is not said with malice or with deep intent. It is at, in the moment, it is lashing out, um, etc. And just to, to answer Alan's question, um, for me, it's... You you mentioned the word earlier when you were speaking um, earlier in the evening. Um, independence, that word, freedom, independence. Freedom. Freedom, right? That's that's that for me is is what I have and I cherish. So um, I want I want the companionship and I want everything else, but I want my independence as well. <laughs> So that would would that indicate that you see marriages in some sort of control element then? Because if you if you have control, if you have don't have freedom, then you're controlled. It, it it's not control so much, but it's that there are formalities that you respect within a marriage that you know um, tie you, um, be it the mortgage, be it house, whatever, be it certain commitments you get really tied into um, once you're part of a marriage. And once you break out of that, um, do I want to get myself back into all of those things? And yeah, uh, yeah, yeah that, that's yeah. what I don't want. Yeah. That, those ties, those ties and the ties. The legal formalities that yeah, tie you up. Yeah, legal formalities that can yeah. drag you down and really tear you apart. And certainly that's been the put up for me as well, having gone through this. I found the legal side very one-sided. <laughs> um, but in Jamaica, women are still. Um, if you're not careful, you're you're like chattel, you know. <laughs> you know. Oh, really? Law. Yeah, and some of the laws. It's like I mean, you know, and it's it's it's. Yeah. Yeah. Even though there's equality well, on the paper, um, on paper, but nonetheless, to get a divorce, it's it does take quite a bit out of you, yeah. and um, it is only then that you realize how much of yourself you have tied up in these legalities, the yes. bank accounts, whatever, yes. everything. I mean, to, to answer your question, Rob, if I may, um, I don't think we can deal in black and white issues. An adult deals, adult is childish, and so uh, we react differently. I mean, I'm sure through these conversations, I've been childish number of times. Um, and any one of the people here will probably look at the trend and they'll either be forgiving or they'll put it off or whatever. Um, it, it, I suppose what I'm trying to say is that uh, you assume an adult is an adult. And if they're behaving like an adult typically, now and again, they behave childishly. You kind of compensate for that. I would, and I'm sure everybody else here would as well. Uh, but if you are consistently behaving childishly, then you would lose uh, that compensation. Will deteriorate very quickly. You will don't because you got no power or control over the adult person behaving childishly, and that relationship will start deteriorating. Okay, so 
Um, if for me, there seems to be something around an assumption that an adult is always an adult, whereas sometimes they, they act, we act less. Yes, um, that's true. That's true. And that yeah, so true. I, I think sometimes we don't recognise because there's an emotional maturity and a physical maturity. Yes. Um, and the two don't always go together. Yes. Um, right. In fact, I think I said in one of the earlier uh, conversations, and I don't know when it was, uh, you have to achieve independence, which comes back to maturity. You have to achieve financial independence, which is being able to fend for yourself. You have to achieve intellectual independence, which means you're going to be able to solve your own life problems. You don't want, you don't need somebody to solve them for you. Uh, you can go and get educated and all the rest of it if you don't have it. Uh, and you have to have emotional independence, which is around your character. That oh, yeah, there's a lot, of, a lot of background noise there. I don't know if it's Oh, weird. yes, that's my 13-year-old playing his uh, Roblox game or whatever it is. <laughs> Sorry. Hang on. Let me let me tell him to Jim, can you use a different Rough. keyboard, please? I don't mean to keep bringing it back to responsibility, but at that point, I would think it was more to do with because adults do have more responsibility for themselves and more like self-agency than a child does. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying that someone uh, acts childishly all the time. I'm saying often in, a, in an argument, we'll all act childishly, but we won't give each other that recognition because we see the adult so so there's a quote someone said um, so what, what i'm saying is why we would be kinder to kids or not maybe kinder to kids but like handle it differently is because it may be expectations and responsibility but children have less responsibility for themselves whereas an adult has more responsibility over their own actions and more self-agency so then we would be annoyed at the fact that they're not being a better adult. I think it's someone mentioned, Sandra or somebody mentioned that before. Um, yeah. Um, I'm just thinking uh, sometimes, like sometimes if you, if you ever lash out um, or yeah. you act childishly, that sometimes all you need is someone to say, like to understand without reacting um and be, because of the, the difference be, between to, to be the water when the fires that that sort of water and fire analogy yeah probably yeah yeah it's like someone's someone someone's, there's a quote um all communication is either loving communication or a cry for help and sometimes when people are um, I think it all boils down to compassion. Mm, exactly. That's, that's what I was trying to get at. When people see an adult, they have less compassion than they would for a child, even though the emotional and the physical are different. I think the more self-compassion we develop, the more... And I think Sandra mentioned it before when I was speaking, and I think it's really important to understand our situation and to have more self-compassion more quickly because I think that diffuses a lot of the problems. You've also um, got the threat element though as well, haven't you? You're not under threat from a child. You know, you're not going to get beaten up or 
or really, really abused or anything like that from a child. But any adult has got the potential to cause harm. And yeah, I but think I think you should, you should you'd know the person well enough at some point to know whether they're like that or not. And I think there's a line that that shouldn't really be crossed anyway. But some people can just flip though, can't they? You know, when someone someone gets really, really angry. Anger does strange things to people, doesn't it? One of the worst things triggered that, in a certain way. that um, I find that adults do uh, to each other sometimes, it's, oh, but you do so and so. Why you 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 know that coming back at you? Um, but but so how is it okay when you do so and so? And uh, if you say something to them, you get that. But it's all right when you do it, though. Uh, those kinds of responses and those. It doesn't take the argument any further because what that does is, is throwing it back at you rather than taking um, responsibility for whatever it is and 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 um, discussing it. And I suppose uh, it, 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 it is for us to look at ourselves and try to um, have that kind of control, which I don't have, I will confess, not to blow my top <laughs> in response. I'm a very short fuse when it comes to rubbish. So when I get that, I'm going to just lay into you. And for me, oh, add that to my list <laughs> to learn to control myself a little bit more. Um, but I, it's a red flag for me. Don't, don't, don't turn the argument back onto, onto the other person. Yeah. So people do that all the time, no, don't they? Yeah, they do it, but it's irritating and it does not take Oh, it's incredibly. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I think I, if, the, if the person's good-natured enough, if, if you know the person's nature and they're good-natured enough, and I think that's the line, whether they're good-natured or they're not, and I think if the person's good-natured enough, it's about having the confidence that you can get through to them somehow. Rob, I don't know okay. if you'd be able to answer this question. You know, like, because I'm just speaking from a personal experience I, in, like, previous relationships. I ain't, I ain't perfect. I've done things wrong. And I'd be having an argument with my girlfriend at the time. And on more than one occasion, they would bring up something from the past, which had happened years ago. I'm not talking anything major. It could be, just as Sandra said, where you, you've done this as well type of thing. And we might have thrashed it out and said, right, oh, well, I did, did A, B, and C because of this reason, and logicalised it. And you go, okay, that's done, that's dusted. And then you might have another argument, say, six months down the line, and again, they would bring up this thing, whatever it was, in the past. Why, why do you think that some people will deflect back um, away from themselves and also bring up something which is supposed to have been resolved but clearly isn't mm. well maybe the, the the thing is sometimes if the thing is part of a pattern um and so it's brought up in connection because this is relates to this to this to this um or it wasn't really resolved um sometimes people want things to be resolved because it clears the piece, but it isn't really resolved in their head. 
or sometimes it's just childishness because um, it's a way of hurting or deflecting, as you say. And not actually... Or feeling at threat, maybe, not feeling safe enough to hear each other's feelings at that moment. Or sometimes you just want to hurt, like people just want to hurt people, don't they? You just want to lash out, what can I use? I think, if I may say, this comes back to um, emotion dictating action. So if you allow your emotions to dictate your actions, then chances are you'll act childishly. Uh, so if you go back to your road rage, that person is full of emotion. And so they allow that emotion takes over and that emotion is now controlling all their actions. Whether they're swearing, two fingers, take a gun and shoot like a person or whatever, like the, the M25. That is emotion driving that person's actions. Hmm. Um, now, in adults, you would expect them to have more self-control to a degree, but we all lose it and it's, it's normal, it happens. It happens to us all the time. Now, my experience of that has been that if it is possible to take what they say personally in an adult, whereas in a child, you don't take it personally because you automatically assume that actually, you know, half the time they don't actually understand what they're saying anyway. Um, they're misusing words. Uh, whereas in an adult, you presume it's a considered opinion. Um, so it comes across as uh, personal. Another reason may very well be that um, if, if you don't feel comfortable enough in yourself, and when they bring something up, that can potentially be a problem as well. But my experience has been that uh, even when I've surpassed all that, and I actually, rather than reacting to the illogical emotional outburst, which does my head in as well, a bit like Sandra, you know, one thing I have short views for is illogical argument, is, um, and even if I studied myself, I trained myself to study myself, and I went back and said, actually, you mean this. It's got nothing to do with what you're saying. This is what you're actually upset about. And that kind of diffuses the situation a little bit. But even then, when it happens repeatedly, then you start losing patience with that. I decided I can do it once, twice, three times. But if you keep going round and round in a circle like a broken record every few days, then, and you think that this is a, you expect the adult at that point to recognize and resolve to be better, to improve themselves, as you will do with a child. But with a child, you take the action and you dictate the growth path because it's your responsibility as the parent to help them grow out of that childish behavior. But you can't do that with your spouse. You can't say, oh, Sandra, come on, stop being childish. I mean, that, that's just going to throw fuel onto the fire, right? <laughs> it's going to volcano. Um, so, and that, that is, I think that comes back to what you were saying. That's okay. my answer to it. That's, um, I, I, like, I think that's, that's really um, insightful about the, when, we, when we work from emotion, that's what a child does. It's, it's emotional. Um, so 
with a child, I don't think it's, for me anyway, I don't think it's so much about the structures of what we do, because I think, I think you, you behave like this, do this, do this, do that. I don't think it, to me, I, I, I never felt comfortable with, with power or trying control with my children. I, I felt, I looked at them as, as being like plants and what do they need? What do they need to grow? So, um, for me, when I'm parenting and a child like, or when I was, and this child's like that, it's like, what do they need? So, in in your situation, Alan, was it more of an emotional, like I need this emotional validation or, or emotional something um, that they needed to get beyond that, and not actually a logical answer? I don't know. I don't know because it wasn't just one thing. Uh, there was loads and loads of different things. Um, literally, if you did anything that was deemed as as incorrect in that in the, in her eyes. You were never made to forget it. Put it that way. Um, so it's so that's a power. That's a power thing, isn't it? Grudge and a lack of forgiveness. Sorry. Grudges and lack. Is she lack, there's a lack of forgiveness there. But it. But it's also about being using it as a tool to push you down. It's control. It's a control thing, isn't it? Mm. But also, there's. Sorry, sorry. Um, I was just going to say that um, I think there is one other word that we should add to the to this whole mix, and that's expectations. We what we expect of the other adult, and when those expectations are not um, being manifested, um, our reactions also, um, are, are, you know, sort of hint at disappointment or so our disappointments uh, are also coming out in that discussion as well so it's uh you 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 don't have that kind of disappointing feeling towards your child you know when they become teenagers and if they really start to go off the rails yes but as a small child um you don't have that kind of disappointment. You may be disappointed in them for a particular behavior on a particular day or something, you know, a particular action. But for an adult, when you are, you have expectations that, especially when you start out in a relationship and you are evolving, I think at the back of your mind, you're hoping that your partner is also growing and evolving as well. So there is some kind of congruence with both of you and when you don't get that and that comes across in terms of sometimes in the same responses that we get when we have a discussion or we have an argument with them and that to me is one of the clearest examples of a diversion between um the two the two parties they're on divergent parts paths and uh, uh, and I suppose another word that would come to mind in that is disappointment. And that also leads to frustration because so it's, a, it's a, I think there are many layers to the to, to, to this to this issue. And depending on what um, where you are on that trajectory, more um Emotions, more feelings, more, 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 more um, adjectives could be brought into play because uh, you know, 
as I, as I just said, disappointment becomes its own master after a while. Hmm. I think with expectations, though, I think to some extent we, I don't know if deserves the right word or entitled or anything like that, but if we've got a certain expectation, I don't think there's anything stopping us from trying to have that expectation met if we're doing it in a healthy way. But because I think I think the key thing is two, two people are work like understanding. But I think how many so when you've had those disappointments in relationships, how many times have you had the clear um like a clear conversation? You might you, you generally we expect it in a relationship, but we don't talk to the other person about the expectation. How Which is a communication thing. Yeah. Have, have in in your relationships have you been clear about your expectations? That's the most difficult thing to do. This, that is what we are not taught how to do. We have not learned how to have that without having um, subjectivity, judgment, um, coming into it, anger, um, misreading cues, the whole, you know, mm. everything. And so you end up with um, people just emotionally torn and then when they're emotionally torn, they act like children. Exactly. So it comes so to, to a vicious circle. To go back to the analogy of road rage as well, um, some people, I don't know if you're familiar with emotional flashbacks, but um, it's basically when we overreact to um, to a certain situation. So say something really little happened and I gave an emotional reaction as if something much, much more major had happened because of my own internal traumas or whatever else. So I think with road rage, it's it's maybe the being cut off and something happened earlier on in the childhood that might have even forgot by that point, but they're having this big emotional reaction because it's given them an emotional flashback to something they might not even be aware of. It can, it can be. Yeah, I think it can be. And also, but you can, you can see that in pubs a lot of the time. You know, people fight over silly things because someone spilt their drink. Um, because it means something much bigger to them than just, oh, someone spilt the drink. They're a yeah, bit because, tipsy and off balance. and Yeah, because it's disrespect or whatever, and they have to show that they... Um, oh, <laughs> yeah. Um, but then within relationships all the time, all those same things are, are happening. Where does the where does that need for needing to be macho come from? Well, it's an emotional need, isn't it? Yeah. It, and that's why I'm saying that people act as children. And yet w w you see this big 20 stone bloke, but inside the, the way that he's acting is like this child. Um, and yet we would treat the child differently. But actually what the adult needs is to be treated like a child. Not in the sense of gets your room and goes to your bed without any dinner. But you didn't learn the emotional, um, the right emotional responses at a young age and have carried it through to adulthood. Yeah, but, but I, I think that's true of all of us. I mean, there's a spectrum. There's the person that's, you know, like prisons are filled with people who, who can't control their emotion. Still biting people and hitting people. and Yeah, but <laughs> I'm, I'm sure we've all done it. I, I mean, is there any one of us that's never been acted emotionally in a relationship or with someone else has never um, been no has, has never reacted emotionally like to in in a car or in a relationship or at work or um i think we've all been 
childish at times could be good. I think there's something there's definitely something deeper going on for that person though. I'm not saying I'm not trying to excuse behaviors or well it's it's that the emotions that we feel we haven't got the regulation for that. So we haven't we haven't got the emotional the the uh, emotional capacity to well, okay. to like manage our emotion. And it's partly to do with again introspection, isn't it? It, it can be, it, um, and it can be. It's not having that space, and that's the bit I was trying to get out. With we treat adults and child children differently. It's the space. It's the allowance that we have because we have these assumptions and expectations about adults we have less tolerance to them um, than we would to children. Sometimes you know, we don't have an adequate response to whatever is in front of us. And so what's the mess, next best, best thing? But to have a tantrum because we don't have the appropriate adult response. So we flip. <laughs> um, and 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 that's that I think is... Um, it's a fallback position, and we do use that, you know, and you will humph and carry on, and and it's totally childlike, but we, we just don't have an adequate response to whatever was put in front of us by the other person. And so we flounce and we carry on, and, you know, but, I but, but it depends. But, but, it, but it all depends, doesn't it? Uh, because we are kind of discussing a relationship in a vacuum. Uh, you can't, it's, it's very hard to say how you'll behave in a relationship by discussing it in a vacuum. And what I mean by that is, there is no history in this relationship that we are aware of. So we are taking one specific event and we're looking at it in isolation or everything else. That's not a relationship anyway. That's just an event. So if it was on the street, then someone kind of was emotional at you, chances are, uh, and called you an idiot, chances are you will kind of look at him and think, what's the matter with you? And you'll walk off. Hmm. But if you have a relationship, say your parent or your spouse, and they called you an idiot, there will be a more hurtful comment because there is that relationship. So I think we have to think, take that into account. So when somebody is behaving childishly uh, in the relationship, taking the history into account, now, assuming that person behaves childishly, then they recognize it. And this has happened to me recently. Um, you know, my, my son was, uh, wasn't doing his work very well, and I got my emotions to cover. I was kind of a little bit harsh on him. But then afterwards, I went and I sat down and I talked to him and I kind of smoothed it over. And I explained why I was feeling emotional at the time, because he was obviously allowing laziness to get the better of him. And, you know, I didn't want that. And so I kind of got emotional over it. So I was a little more harsh than I intended to be. Now, if you are able to go back and smooth it over, i.e. explain and then resolve not to, maybe not to do it as frequently, I, will say, I won't say never, but um, then if you take that kind of a history, when you act emotionally the next time, that person may even help you get over your childish behavior at that point and explain what it is that it really bothers you. But if you take another relationship where the person behaves emotionally and then tries to then justify themselves and gain the moral high ground when they don't deserve it, 
than that deteriorates that relationship. And if that's been what's been happening all the time, next time you do a childish behavior, there is likely to be a similar comeback because the other person is now feeling like a punch bag. Does Bob, you know, um, you know the, the, the question Sorry. Um, that, that I asked before about um, people bringing up stuff in the past all the mm. time. Um, I was going to ask you what you think we should do about it, but I don't know whether I've come up with a with an answer just as Errol was speaking then. Um, do you think it will be helpful to wait for a quiet moment when you know, you're watching TV or whatever and just go, oh, by the way, remember that time when I, I never put the binge out and you keep bringing it up, you know, whatever it was. Would it be helpful for us to talk about why that really bothers you? I know we've covered it in the past, but you do keep bringing it up and I don't find it helpful. Do you know, some words to that kind of effect? Do you think that would be useful or...? Yeah, I, I think um, at the time they're bringing that up, is it a low emotional, low emotional state, isn't it? It's when they're angry. Yeah. So at a time when they're like that, first of all, when they're up here and they're happy, they're not going to they're not going to recall the situation in the same way. Some of it is an association with, I feel like this now, I felt like this then. Um, so, it, yeah, I, I, I think it isn't resolved. Um, or it's a power thing. Or it's, um, they associate it when they're, when they're feeling low. Um, but it, whichever of those it is, it, it's worth having a discussion to find out which of those it is. Because if someone's using it as a power thing, then the fact that you've brought it up um, then shows what they're doing. Um, if it's something unresolved, you have the ability um, to do it. But so where I was going to come back to on it was there's two, there's two, there's two um, points in that interaction. There's the point of where she's saying it and then there's the point of where you're receiving it. So though you've talked about it, have you resolved how you feel about it? How I felt. Hmm. Because if someone says something, you know, like, like Errol said, um, you know, if someone says something without history, without you having any emotional mm. attachment to it, mm. you don't, um, it doesn't trigger you as much. But the fact this person said it can trigger you more. So, like, have you fully resolved it? Um, obviously, I'm going back going back years um, and it, it was something mundane there's a couple of mundane things such as taking the bins out it wasn't taking the bins out but it was as nonchalant as that you know what I mean um, and for me it was a case of let's go with the bins okay well I got up late and I didn't set the alarm I should have set the alarm and I, I accept that I made a mistake there it was, I, I logicalised whatever it was and you'd exp and, and, and to answer your question it was resolved in my mind because in my mind because I felt I had a reasonable excuse for it, be it right or be it wrong, and I'd given the reasons as to why. Okay. 
Yes, but given the reasons why it's just not is not enough in my mind, where have you provided um, a meeting halfway where you will endeavor to do better? In other words, I'm sorry, this is the reason why, but I will try to do it in a different way um, or, you know, some way that helps to resolve. So you provide a positive end to the issue um, and you're being proactive about it. It's, it's just um, not just saying, yeah, yeah, the alarm didn't go off and uh, whatever, whatever. But you are acknowledging the issue and you're giving a, a solution. As in saying that it's not going to happen again. Yes. In, and, and, and I'll do it. Uh, whatever. But then there's there's also the um, another subtlety to this thing, wherein some people, they have expectations and they want them to be met immediately on their say-so, controlling. And so they become annoyed if, like you are to put out the bins, the bins must go out by, you know, this whatever in the night before. And if it, if, if it's not done, they're upset. And they take that upset with them to bed and they wake up the following morning and they're upset because you didn't do it when it should have been done. So I'm saying about the, the bins as an example. And possibly no, it's I'm using it too. Because um, the bin men come every week. But it was, it was something, it was along the lines of, right, we're meeting such and such, whatever you do, don't, don't mention this. And I mentioned it. And it was absolutely a nothing, you know what I mean? It wasn't a major thing. I just genuinely was just slipping the tongue on one of the occasions. Um, it was something to do with music. I think we'd gone to like an Indian wedding or something and I'd asked something about the music and I was told not to and I'd just asked about the music and then they, they didn't even say anything. They weren't interested. But the person I was with was really annoyed because they said, oh, you shouldn't have asked about the music like I told you not to. And I was like, oh yeah, sorry, blah, 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 explained it whatever. So it was a situation that wasn't going to be repeated. You know, we weren't going to another Indian wedding. We weren't meeting these people again. So it wasn't something that we can go, okay, I'll know better for next time. Um, sorry, have you, had you finished? Sorry, Alan. Uh, yeah, I've finished, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So, uh, Sasha asked, what, what is it we're talking about? We're talking about um, people keep bringing up the same issue. So, um, and, and why is that? So, okay. So, if we can think about, say you're putting the bins out, okay, that is water, right? So, um, putting the bins out is water, how she felt about it is oil. Okay, so it's, it's logic and emotion. So you were you talked about it on a level of logistics and logic. Um, but the fact that she was annoyed, that event meant something to her beyond the logic. It meant, um, and that's to do with her expectations, and you don't know what they are because you probably don't know what her expectations were. And it's something to do probably with um, when I was young, I couldn't rely on people. They did, they would let me down. They would, um, um, 
like cause it um, cause me embarrassment or something like that. So there was something about, and I think we come to relationships as children in terms of emotions and we look at the other person and we look at them as an adult. But in many ways, because of things that have happened in our childhood, because of traumas, because of whatever, we actually feel like children within the relationship. So there's no other field where we feel as much anxiety and fear and um, fear of rejection, fear of abandonment, feeling of shame, all of those things that we come to the relationship with but we don't talk about them. And so there was something in that, in that event that triggered an emotion in her. And when you talked about the logic, there was no logical reason that she could see to explain how she felt. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So, and because you talked about the logic and she couldn't disagree with the logic because it, the, the logical bit of it didn't make sense to the re emotional reaction. But there was some emotional need that wasn't met. And that's, that's the bit I was trying to get out with how we treat, we can't treat adults as children and vice versa, because sometimes we need to treat the adult as the child, not in the sense of, you need to do this, you need to do that. But in the sense of, okay, what's behind this behaviour? Like when a, when a child has a tantrum in the supermarket, we know it's because he wants something <clears throat> that they can't get. And we understand that we don't need that explained. But in adults, it's masked. So we argue about, you haven't put the bins out. What it really means is you don't love me. You don't care about me. You don't care about what really matters to me. Um, and so you're talking on the level of the bins, but the reaction is is a, a fear. So you have to get to what the, and what I'm saying that when when you like if we could treat adults, our partners, like we would child, treat a child, we give them a hug and we say I love you. Um, what what are you afraid of? What's what's really about this? And then they go, oh, because it's it's because of this. But we talk on the logic and the logistics and the emotional scars don't get resolved. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense, yeah. And, um, yeah, it's very clear to me now. It's quite deep, isn't it? Because it sounds like we're coming from a place of ego where we assume that everything that we think or feel or believe is what they do. And we forget that, of course, they have a complete different uh, mind and experience. And like you said, they're not reacting to what's in front, but what's behind them. But we're not taking that into account. So I think that's quite a deep and a really good way to look at it. Hmm. It's it's all about the personal narrative. So when Errol was talking about um, the history of the relationship, what that means is that you have a narrative. You, like, and, and in that example, Alan, it's that narrative was, I can't trust because he didn't do this, because he didn't do this. I can't feel safe. Um, and all of our rows 
are about we've built up a narrative about who that person is. And especially if we've been in a relationship a long time, we assume we know who the person is. You did this, you did this, you are this person. And so we judge. But actually, as we know individually ourselves, we're changing all the time. And um, so we see patterns and we make stories on them patterns and we react from those story. So the story is that the, the like narrative is what mediates between the logical, whatever's happened and the emotional reaction. Yeah, it's, it's, it's true though, that the context within which these occurrences happen, um, they're usually just known by the between the parties um, involved, and anyone on the outside won't recognize um, and just see will see the event, and so it's likely that one person will be labeled labeled as overreacting, um, and the other one may be seen as a victim. And, and, you know, depending on what 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 what, the, what is happening, and that has happened to me um, in the past because um, I have one child, and for me, when he was young, I really um, emphasized making good memories with him and recording as much as I could, um, you know, and for me that was something that I wanted him to have growing up. And when I'm not here, that he can look back at his, his childhood and he can see how he grew up uh, and his milestones. And my husband was always late for things and they would drive me crazy because this is my son's first recital, um, you know, at school at age Five. This is before he came here in Jamaica, um, in the cathedral, and I'm there early. And I, you know, I'm calling and I'm saying, make sure you get here on time. And when he comes, the recital is over because he had a client, and I don't care about the client. You should be here for your only son. <laughs> I mean, this is important. And so my face looks like thunder and I'm not speaking, <laughs> and I go into my car, and I, I collect my son, I go into my car, and I drive off, and I leave him right there. And so people looking on on that, and because I was on, I was near to tears, I was so angry. They don't see my, they don't see how devastated I, I am, and my son too, because he's on the verge of crying, because daddy didn't come to see him play. And I'm fighting back the tears because I don't want my son to, you know how it is. And and oh, he, as far as he's concerned, it's business and he had to stay to do the business and sorry. And, and, and so you, you it, it's, it's just like, there's this banshee, this woman who is just so angry and so, so thing. And there's this quiet man who is taking it all in? How does he cope with her? Um, and there she's she's just driven off in a rage. <laughs> she's but I had to drive off because I would say things that I didn't want to say. And my main my main concern was for my son. Um, but 
you see how it happens. I, I yeah. mean, that, that's the point. That's my example. Mm. It's, yeah, I mean, John Gottman talks about perpetual problems, and they are these because we work off different narratives. So his narrative was, I need to, I need to provide, and I need to, I give love by by making thing, you know, providing an income and running a family and things like that. Whereas yours was, let's have the emotional experience. I made it. I was the. I earned more oh, than him. Okay. Oh, lots more. <laughs> Come on. So that's not the point. Well, yeah, but, but whatever that he was running from a different narrative. But he's always late. The only thing he was not not, not late for was our wedding. He was there before me. Boy, that just shut you down. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, no. At the same time, I was just um, still the chat. Um, no, I was going to say, wasn't that the important one? Would you knew you, or would you rather have him have been late then? Yeah, it was. No, but you're correct. It's just, it's just that I think that um, the, 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 there are different levels of of, of 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 things that happen in a relationship that um, contribute to the. Um, how it how it evolves, and yeah, there are the petty things which get blown out of proportion, but there are also very important things that um, because we have not learned how to deal with this, with the minor ones, when we get to the major ones, we are totally totally lost. Mm. I think uh, we have well, no tools. Sorry, Sandra, I was going to say actually. Um, Again, that's coming back to what I was saying, though, slightly, in that there's a history there. Yeah. If I think he was on time for everything else and missed one, you'd probably forgive that. Probably wouldn't even think about it too much by now. But because it was a repeated thing, it kind of said, I don't actually value this as much as you do. And and that's where it kind of went wrong. I, I think that's where we need to have clear communication, to, because what you need to talk about is... What, you like what is the lateness because there's a narrative because there's something um that causes the lateness um and your narrative is that it, he doesn't care um and it possibly could be but it could be something else or you know like it could be you know i mean people who have adhd or things like that have um factors that, that that trigger that kind of thing and and if the narrative is we don't care um it, it might not necessarily be and the way that you work it out is by getting clarity on like him knowing what that means to you and because because often we assume that the other person knows how would you explain being late for a family funeral a close family member and you're late for that because of business so that to me is important and you know it's different from oh just being late for just to pick you up somewhere major things and you still find a way to accommodate something else and not put an important thing in um, okay. as a priority. Well, that is, that's the message that you start to get. Mm-hmm. That you, you, whatever is family um, involvement, it's not a priority. Other things well, become the priority okay. when it's not I necessarily think, so. But that's what you read. Okay. Well, I don't. I don't. I don't know the gentleman, but 
uh, let's presume for a minute. Well, he's lovely otherwise, you know, don't worry. Yeah, no, okay. So so let, let's presume for a minute. Because, uh, I don't know, so I'm just making yeah. assumptions here. Um, having a business and being a businessman and being successful actually, apart from providing money, makes me feel important and valued by all these people. And because I've never been valued in my life before, I crave that attention. And now that I get this attention, that's far more important than anything else that happens in life because this makes me feel like a whole person. So I need to ensure that I keep this business going. And the only way this is going to happen and I'm going to get the attention is to spend the time with my clients. Yes, uh, the funeral, and I like that person as well, but we all have priorities in our life. And this one is clearly about high up in my priority than the funeral or my son's recital or anything else because this business fulfills something. It's either because I have fear of money, maybe, or it is that it gives me some sort of a status or power that I never had. And that kind of captures me. You know, it could be something like that, couldn't it? Last child syndrome. Yeah. And so it, it completes me in some fashion. Uh, it's not to say that we agree with the behavior, but it may very well explain something in, in the in the person's behavior. I agree because I have thought of uh, I've, I've thought of that as well. But nonetheless, in um, as a family, there are milestones in my mind. Anyway, there are milestones. There are memories that uh, collective memories for the family. And if over time one person is perpetually late or missing, then it becomes a skewed family narrative. That's my fear. That's uh, that 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 that's what happens if one party is is always is is missing from important um, events, or because they are perpetually late, they create a bit of an atmosphere. So it's not as um, nice as it should be. That occasion may not be as, 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 as wonderful as it could have been because of that. And not just a question. immediate person. Uh, it's expectations and um, miscommunication. Sorry, Bessie, were you going to... Is the key thing then about values and narratives, because if we have the same values, but we both have a different narratives, which we would do, but those narratives somehow are clashing or they haven't been explained, is that where the problem would be? Because like we said, we think we know what people are thinking or we assume that they know what we are thinking, but they don't. So is it a case of realising that there's a narrative that we've attached and also there's a narrative that they've attached. And that it might not be that we don't have the same values, but we just don't have congruent narratives and we haven't communicated. But also during 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 the relationship um, phase, the courtship phase, the person that you learned, you 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 be, become familiar with, um, if, if that is the person that you enter the marriage with and usually at that point in the relationship you're attentive you make the extra effort you do all the things and unfortunately sometimes you expect that that continues 
into the relationship, into the marriage unchanged. Whereas once you get married and I suppose real life starts to take hold, you relax. So um, the attention to timekeeping, the attention to all the various things, um, certain things start to get um, overlooked. Um, and so it changes. So the person or the behavioral pattern that you had um, become familiar with before marriage starts to um, get a, a little bit um, tarnished, for want of a better word. <laughs> it's not, and that can and and that can lead to disappointment in, in some respects. It's not that you you're, you don't expect to make adjustments because you've moved from a life of singledom to a, a cohabiting situation where you have to make adjustments in behavior and expectations as, you know, the, the usual stuff. But um, it can get to the point where in you wonder if you actually knew the person. I'm not, that's not what happened to me, but I'm just saying. Mm -hmm. As an extreme, yeah, I, I think we we have certain expectations, and then uh, people do give more, um, and there is a natural drop off in relationships around about two three years. Like the honeymoon phase will only last to then, and when someone feels that they're getting less, they often give less, um, but the expectations don't change. There's still the expectations we have, and so the gap becomes bigger and bigger. Um, I think in terms of values, values are quite big. Um, you know, we talk about freedom, independence, respect, all of these things as values, but that's a big concept. And we can say like, oh yeah, we, we agree on these values, but no one exactly agrees because no one's, no two people's personal narratives are the same. Um, and so the values are um, like the big category of what we actually mean and so we we agree but the further into the experience the further into the relationship that we go the more we see situations where that where we have where our differences in those values are um, and so we can think that you know you, you often hear young couples and they're like, oh, but we love each other and, and you yeah, know, love will get us through. And we, we have the same values. And basically what they mean is they have the same kind of career goals. They want to have children. They want to live in the same kind of area. That's the big issues. The, but the smaller issues are like the lateness. The smaller issues are like, um, do we go for a bigger house or do we settle here? Do we... Um, are we more ambitious? All of these things and gradually get more and more branches where eventually every couple is going to split um, in, in terms of their expectations and, and how they, um, what they want and what they value. So it's, it's about communication all the time. It's about what, what are the expectations, what the unstated expectations um, and what is the emotions and the narratives driving the problems like underneath them? Um, so, do you do you want to go on to the next bit, or do you want to carry on exploring this where we're talking about? What's the next bit? Well, the next bit I had was 
we talked about what the um, where you wanted to master, where you wanted to have mastery, and the next bit was: Are you in those fields that you've said are the key drivers to your life and happiness? Are you dabbling, hacking, obsessing, or pursuing mastery? Sandra's laughing. <laughs> Can you give us that again, Rob? Yeah, so we talked about the fields um, that were important to our life. So the three to seven things that we feel that we need. Um, and my question is, on each of those fields, are you dabbling, hacking? Do you remember last week we talked about the dabbling, hacking, obsessing, um, or pursuing mastery? I think if, um, if you think about the theory of gaining control by giving it away which is faith which is an assumed result without As in surrender yes yeah, surrendering you are surrendering because if you surrender then you don't fight anymore dear and when we fight we have our energy taken away but then when we have our energy, we we're able to put that energy into the things that genuinely matter rather than being worried or concerned or wasting that energy on essentially things that don't. And that's where control comes in. So I think in terms of mastery, I personally feel that going, and I have spoken about this before, going down the, the faith, the faith route, I, I, I genuinely, genuinely am trying to focus more and more and more on, on that route, being, being mm. more faithful in things and, and letting things go. I, I was going to bring up, when you mentioned freedom, mm. and then after I thought about it a little while, and I thought, I remember months ago, you talked about being on this path, mm. and I was going to, um, yeah, bring up that, that's clearly a path that you're you're pursuing the mastery in. Yeah, um, <clears throat> I, I I have definitely suffered um, some chinks, some bumps in the road. Should you say that has really tested this um, this idea of mine? Well, it's not mine, but it's it's uh, I suppose this journey that I'm pursuing um, definitely experienced that but I've got I've got through it by going down the faith routes even stronger mm. so I've been without me leaving sorry providing the information of what it was but it was a situation where things could have really really took a turn for the worst and there was no way out but I just let it all go <laughs> and I was like okay let's go down the faith routes and then it worked itself out so um, it's an interesting it's an interesting way to be. Well, the, well, the power of mastery is always going to be 
challenges it's it's like the hero's journey isn't it mm. it's you're always going to be tested it's going to be you're going to feel humiliation you're going to feel um challenged afraid anxious all of those things so are, are, is it a um like or like a structured faith or your own um well I'd, autumn i mean i do you know God to one person isn't, isn't God to someone else and it has totally different meanings in the same way his mother has different meanings to and father and brother and sister and the same way there's different meanings to everybody else. But the way I see it is that as a human being, I'm flesh and blood and, you know, the, 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 most of stuff in life is beyond my control. You know, I can't control what the weather's like. I can't control loads of stuff. But if I was to spend energy, which I have in the past, trying to control stuff, then that would leave me lacking. And that's where like depression and stuff like that comes in, I feel. So I look at it as though there's there's so many things that are unseen, yet they still work out. And if I'm in a position where, as a human being, I can't get myself out of it or I don't know what to do, I just let it go. Um... I'll say prayers, like a request to, you know, to God, as it were, um, and believe it, and then it tends to <laughs> tends to come through. So yeah, it's about looking now, looking beyond yourself for the answer, I suppose. As far as independence is concerned, freedom. Mm. I think I'm well on the way. Um, I'm not a hacker or <laughs> whatever those losing ones are. No, um, I, I I can't say that I've fully mastered it, but I think I have reclaimed my ability to make my my choices and um, and to be true to. I suppose the things that drive me. Um, and for me, that's 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 freedom, that's independence um, in, yeah, in that sense, in that regard. Of course, there are other things that kind of make you not completely free, um, but still. Well, I think the, the the point of mastery is that you never achieve it, so it's it's yeah, an area exactly. where you're always focusing on improving. Yeah, exactly. So, I, but I think I think I'm 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 in a pretty good place where that is concerned. Um, what are the other ones? Health. Well, I need to exercise. I can always do better. So, yeah, I haven't mastered that bit. <laughs> I always start, start and never finish. Um, so, yeah, there's room for improvement in that. Oh, I need tons of money, but um, who's complaining? We all do. <laughs> but are you, are you so, so mastery would mean, um, so uh, like I think most areas, um, I'm, I'm not um, on the path of mastery. No, no. Um, yeah. yeah, so some areas you just don't pay so much attention to. Yeah, but uh, but this is the point. I think I, I think what I'm describing is actually a work in progress. 
um, but not at the failing end. Heading towards where, if it all comes together, then I presume uh, the word that I would use for myself is I would be content. So, so the, the, when we're talking about the path of mastery, we're looking at hacking, obsessing, um, and dabbling are the path that you're never going to get any better. You're looking for immediate results, but you're never going to get any better. So the path of mastery is, I think Alan's shows that he, I think you would probably find it was a step back. It was letting go of a lot of the things that you thought you knew and a lot of the things that would get you immediate results in order to get long-term results. Um, so that's what you're looking at. Um, that, that's 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 why I'm saying um, I'm, I'm coaching myself in my description of myself in those terms, in you know, as a work in progress, because I think you're a, I'm aspiring to to mastery, but I have not mastered. But I think that I understand um, to some degree what I need to do or what I'm doing. Um, and in that, I am acknowledging that I am making progress that I can see, um, and I know, and, and I know that I still uh, um, have room for improvement. So, for example, I, I well, we've had this long discussion today about um, different. The, the relationships, um, my version of what is an ideal relationship for me now. And well, no, I'm not dabbling and I'm not what have you. I don't have a relationship, but my approach would not be um, to, 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 to not um, put in the effort or to you know to dabble and to run away and to or to not make an effort so um i would probably put myself at the neutral point where that is concerned it's to make a start but but the positive is that i have recognized it and i've acknowledged it and i am trying to do something about it i mean i would i would say um I would say I've been a dabbler, a hacker, and obsessive in relationships. Um, so it's 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 not about um, it's about mastery. Is about do you let go of all those things to pursue on the on the end on the end goal? So the next question is. Can I just clarify as well? Is the point of asking ourselves if we're pursuing mastery for us to prioritize, realize that we're perhaps dabbling, but we need to prioritize and focus on the very thing that we, we really want? Yeah, I, I, I think so. We, we, if you're looking at what's really going to make us happy, it's going to be. Um, the long-term success. Um, but the dabbling, the hacking and the obsessing are when you want short-term success at the expense of the long-term mastery. So the, so the next question, which might help, is mastery is about 
not doing lots of things, but trying to master a few key elements. There's a few key factors to everything. And it's cutting everything else off, but for those factors. So what are the three to five key factors in each area where you're pursuing mastery? So we might, might make the decision not to pursue mastery because there's only so many things that you can master. Um, so what would you say are the three to five key areas in each area where you're pursuing mastery? So an area where you decide, this is what I really want. So um, so Alan, I think, would, would have it for uh, the freedom journey. I think Ariel would have it for his business success. Um, so wh where are the most important areas where mastery is most important to you at the moment? And what are the key factors? Actually, should, we should we take a, a moment to think for on our, our ourselves? So write down the key areas that you're looking for, and where, what are the key factors in the in wherever you're pursuing mastery? What are the key factors that you need to focus on? Like if I was thinking of chess, I would write end game, the opening, the middle game tactics. Yeah, probably. Um, so, for example, like health. In health, you're looking at sleep, sugar, um, strength, stamina, suppleness, um, stress. I would say that they're probably, um, and and probably, so in terms of diet, it's, it's cutting sugar and probably having more whole foods or vegetables. Um, and they're probably the key drivers to health. Um, Exercise is nine. Um, does anyone want to talk about what areas they're... Um, I had a like look at health. Hmm. I had a look at health. Hmm. And I put food, exercise not excessive drinking or smoking. Yeah. For health, I have sleep. Hmm. <laughs> I need to sleep properly and exercise, those two. That, yeah, that's, sleep is the one I'm, I'm working on at the moment in trying to um, get to bed and get to sleep. Um, I'd say I put sort of self-care, self-development as, as health under that category. And I've just put like good routine, good work, rest, play, balance, and good diet and exercise. Is, is this is something that you're going to be focused on for this year? Um, these are things that I'm always sort of focused on anyway. Um, and it's just like in, on a timeline, I've already made tons of progress and it's just about keeping, keeping working at them until I get to the place that I want to be at with them. Hmm. Okay. Um, any other areas? 
so I'd say like money and money's not money and career is not really like a priority for me. Um, community and parenting. So parenting, I've got connection, trust, communication, and growth. Um, and community, sort of anchored in myself and who I am and what what's important to me. Um, supporting others equally and fairly to the best of my ability, ability and finding balance in that. So community is a big one for you. Yeah. So as in um, connecting with the community or, or doing Supporting like- the community, really. Um, and being part of a community. I did money as well, and um, it's about restructuring my financial situation to reflect my single dom. Yeah. So as in, like, finalising? Yeah, and, yeah. Okay. And, um, and the usual, uh, yeah, my relationship I did as well, but it was just one one term. Just um, having a structured approach to finding a compatible person. <laughs> and with COVID, one can't, one doesn't have much leeway to, to, to move about. It's all... <laughs> <laughs> it's it's kind of um restrictive in a sense so but that's it okay so the next question is if those are the factors what are the projects practices habits um and uh, learnings that you need to do this year in order to achieve progress? So, for example, like um, Sandra, you said, um, in like in terms of money, that's a project really, isn't it? So that's a project. Um in terms of community, I guess that would be more um, practices of, of this is an ongoing thing that you probably want to do. That's more habits and practices. Yeah, I'd say so, for all of mine, it's just about keep practicing, keep trying, and then there's all like reading and learning on some subjects. Hmm. Um, yeah. And well, well, when it comes to health, it's. For me, it's it's really about finding balance and learning certain techniques and um, having a structured approach to my day so that I can exercise, but also so that I can wind down to get to sleep. <laughs> yeah. and I think that's important that because sometimes my day will... Um, because most of my work colleagues are in a different time zone, my day starts late. So I will start at around noon. Um, My main work, well, my two main work colleagues are in Jamaica and they're five hours behind. So my day starts when your day is halfway through. 
So even there are nights when I'm working at this time. And so um, if I'm writing a report or doing research, my brain is going at knots at this time. So, so would it not be hmm? that your that would it not be that your your day just is different to others, or does that knock you off being able to sort of socialize in England? No, no, no. The socializing is not the problem. The problem is that I'm so wound up and my brain is going and I'm thinking and I'm having ideas. And um, so when it's midnight, like if I'm having a, 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 a brainstorming session with one, one of my colleagues or if she's, she, she gets an idea, a brilliant idea, and she calls me, what's five o'clock for her? <laughs> it's 10 o'clock for me, <laughs> or, you know, it's eight o'clock for her. And she sends a, 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 you know, a message, the phone is pinging at two o'clock in the morning. I'm like, oh God, yeah, she's got an idea. So it must be her. Um, so those are the kinds of things. So yes, I need to turn my phone down, make sure that I don't hear it at two o'clock in the morning or whatever, when some brilliant idea is coming. Uh, so that is part of my problem. Um, but socializing, no, that's 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 okay. Oh, because what I was gonna say is like I was I was gonna say is either that you just have your hours different to everybody else's, and you're living on a Jamaican timeline in England, or you have to have them boundaries and like this is the cutoff point, and I'm not taking calls after this time and. It's you see when you work for yourself, it's kind of hard <laughs> because like if you're writing a report, for example, um, like last late last year, coming into early this year, um, I was doing my my colleague and I we were doing a report for a UN body, right, and they set boundaries as to when the contract should be finished. And you have to write and you have to do the research and you have to talk to people. And you're doing it and then you have to give in an interim report and they send it to other people to read. These other people decide that they want X and Y and so they give you extra things to put in and the deadline is the same, which means that you don't go to bed. <laughs> You so is that is that all of the time though, or is that just like no, a no? Set? But it's intense. It's in, it's intense. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, these these things can go on for like six months, like one project. Can so it go. can it can be quite a big portion of time. So you're tired. You're tired. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, and then if you're once you have deadlines, then it's be really really difficult to find any structure in all of that. That's that's the point. That's what I'm saying. I have to try to find a way to get exercise in and to find a way to unwind while it's still night. <laughs> so I sleep at night. <laughs> so my circadian rhythms don't go out of whack with the world I live in. Yeah, you know, I, I, tend to, I tend to work in the morning. So I get up and work out. I work in the morning until about say about two o'clock and then I'll um I'll eat then so that'll be my like meal for the day so I'll cook and eat um and then my notes my energies drops so then um after it picks up again um so I'm sort of tired then the evening but then I, I work in the evening and then I wake up like eight nine o'clock is when my unnaturally most awake and then it's yeah, it's hard to switch off, and especially like 
like last week I had podcasts uh, with um, that were at night because it's a, like American time or Australian time. And um, so, yeah, you agree to do it and then it's you're, you're running late and then it's, yeah, hard to... I guess that's one of the downfalls of the web and being connected to the world as much as we are these days. Hmm. Like my, 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 my best friend lives in Miami and she writes. And when she writes an article, I'm on her, uh, her um, editorial group. She sends it. So, of course, if she finishes it and she wants it to, 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 to be published then it's another thing. It's okay reading and critiquing and, you know, talking to her. And that can occur at any hour <laughs> because she's five hours behind as well. Well, four, five now, yeah. Five hours behind as well. So everybody that I'm dealing with, it's behind. I have one person who I'm dealing with who is in Myanmar. That's another drama because like now um, he might be awake at three o'clock in the morning and I get a whole set of stuff from him as well. Um, but I can handle that. That's that. That's not too much. But it's just that it's a 24-hour day. It feels like a 24-hour day that you don't, you, you're on your you're on call, you feel like you're on call, and so you're wound up, and you're never really going to a really deep sleep. Betty? Yes. Do you want to, do you want to sort of import with yours or anything? Well, um, actually, I thought the really key word was routine. Um, I wrote routine bed, wake, because I tend to sleep at funny times, so going to bed early or at a specific time, wake up, and prepare for things like breakfast and prime myself, which is a form of preparing for the fitness stuff, and also for things like journaling and meditation. So, I, yeah, I, I suppose, in a sense, um, Every now and again, I'm thinking this. This. this uh, it's. It's not the New Year's um, resolution type thing, but every so often to do a check to make sure that things are still in sync, and to make the necessary adjustments mm. to keep the balance, which is something that I. I. I haven't done. I haven't been doing, and so I'll fall off. You know, I've started my, my yoga again and I was doing Tai Chi and what have you and doing the videos and then something happens and then it all just goes out. And it's to bring yourself back and say, OK, you haven't failed. Just get back on and, and start again. Uh, and that to me is <laughs> you have to actually sit down and say, yeah, I'm going to do this. Let me do this. Let me start and structure the day. And that's what I need to do again, I think. Because when I exercise, I sleep. I will sleep. Yeah, it's, it's, the, it's the discipline of, um, like I, I know with exercise, if I leave, you know, like when you, you, you wake up or whenever you go to exercise and you're like, oh, and, you, and you, you make narratives that gives yourself an excuse. But I know if I don't do it, 
then and the next day will be harder and the next day will be harder and then after two weeks it will kill and you won't want to do it um so it just has to be just get up and do it and i think and and for sleep the thing that i don't do is i don't like i, I make I sometimes set up a routine and then, but I don't do it. I've, I've like, okay, I'm going to stop 10 o'clock. I'm going to read. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And it winds me down. And it's, it's, we only have so much willpower. Um, and so we have to focus what that willpower, what we're going to use that on. Um, so what are the key projects? What are the key things that we need to master? I need to scratch my 5 p.m. cup of tea. Caffeine that late is not good for sleep. <laughs> yeah, I um, I only have coffee in the morning. I only have one or two coffees, but in, only in the morning. I'm a tea drinker. I'll drink tea. I'll drink tea, and I'll I'll, I'll have four or five cups of tea for the day. So I need to scrap the last one, hmm. and that would probably help. But um, I think there is something that um, we are all talking about, but we aren't talking specifically to it. And it's, um, yes, we have identified these issues, um, these areas, but there is a thing, um, I might not use the right phrase, but peace of mind. Do all of these things contribute to us being really content in our minds? And is that what we are seeking? And do we know when we arrive at it? Um, I think any th these things, and it's individual for each person, but I think the things that we most worry about are money, career, relationships, health. Um, I think Money these are the things. Money and career thing. into, into life, though, really, I'd say. Can be, can be, yeah. Um, so so the, the way I differentiate is, is money, if you're worrying about paying bills and things, um, that's money. If you're worrying about, um, so the career often is the main source of income, um, so there are some people that don't are maybe retired or or don't work um, or don't need to work, um, and for them money can be more important, like managing the money, or um, you know that someone who's got a lot of money, um, they have to worry more about not losing their money than actually making it. So career is can be for income, but it's also for meaning and. Um, like the stable income. Um, but those are the things that we worry about and we worry about them because we haven't got control of them and mastery is how you get control of those things. So that's really what it's about. I it's don't about know if this, sorry, I don't know if this ties into what you were saying, but going to the plant analogy again and with Sandra mentioning peace of mind, um, if we see ourselves as a plant and we need the right soil, the right nutrients, we need repotting every now and again, sunlight, the right environment, not away from, you know, away from drafts or whatever it needs. Um, I think the more our needs are being fulfilled, like having times of solitude, having the right social sort of balance with relationships and um, health and good rest and all of these other things that we need, emotional, um, mental 
um, support, um, intellectual stimulation. And if we're having all of these needs met, I think that's when we find the peace of mind. I don't know if that ties in with this. Yes, because the only way that we get all of these things is by focusing on mastery. So if you do, if you're obsessed, if you're hacking or um, dabbling, you're never, you're relying on luck. Um, and what results you get are temporary. So mastery is the only way that you master all of, like you can be certain of results. And once you, so if you've, like achieve mastery so you've you've worked in your career and you've developed so that you've developed so much knowledge so much skill that you you can earn a decent income doing work that you like and relax a little bit that yeah so then the worries that you have about work are more about our work isn't going well it's not oh where am i going to get a job where am i how am i going to pay my bills if you have um the relationship sorted if you have the health sorted your your problem you're always going to have problems but the problems are smaller whereas the problems are more dramatic if you've always dabbled and hacked and yeah you know i know this is a really small silly example but i remember you know being young and living on my own and you know being really overwhelmed with the small tasks like keeping the house clean and like then now look back and think you know she was really worried at that age and like now it's just a doddle and it's and i think that's true for everything that we do in life we go through the stage of worrying while we're learning. And then like you said, the mastery, once you, you know, you've, you've practiced that many times, you've overcome all of the mistakes. It's just, it's not even an issue anymore. It's second nature, isn't it? By at some point. Yeah. I think that peace of mind um, thing also speaks to an ability for you to have come to um a state where you understand what you want your goals are design um are are defined by you and not uh, set by external influences Uh, in other words society community whatever keeping up with the joneses or whatever those to me are the external um, things that sometimes people use as benchmarks Um, but you have uh, uh, defined what's important to you and those are the goals that you try to meet in terms of this mastery to attain yeah. those rather than those that are defined for you. Yeah. And so, for example, freedom, freedom is the ability to remove yourself from the expectations of others. Part of freedom. Yeah. yeah I mean, I mean, we always do anyway. So, like keeping yeah. up with the Joneses is a manifestation of wanting recognition. Um, and if we, if we, like most people would just go, oh, we need a bigger car, we need a bigger house because of that. But if you look at what's really what's really driving this, what am I really looking for? Then you get, I want recognition. Um, why do I want recognition? What's missing? Because my dad always said I'd never amount to anything or something like that. And so w- the more clear we can get on that, the more reason we're doing it gen, um, genuinely. So it, it, in using the plant analogy, it's we always need something but what is it we need? And the cleaner we can get, the more accurate we can, we can be. It's, it's like, for example, 
um, people when they play golf, so they aim for the green. So, you know, like you, there's a hole in the green, yeah. um, but you aim for the green, but really you're aiming for the hole. Um, and when you aim for the green, you might go miles away, but if you actually, if you're accurate enough that you can aim for the green in the same way, <clears throat> if we know what the hole is and what the green is. So the, the, the hole being the goal and the green being the external. Yes. Yeah, so, so, for example, if we say we want to keep up with the Joneses, that's the green. The hole yeah. is recognition. You're just being dragged around everywhere all the time and you don't really know why you're doing this and doing that. And Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, so, so what you're doing is you're hitting the green, but you might still have three or if you play golf like me, seven hits to, to actually get it in the <laughs> hole. So um, it's much quicker if you know exactly what the goal is. Um, I was it just with Sandra saying about it, like having the goal and someone was saying recently, and I thought it was quite true, is that we can set goals, but the aim isn't to reach the goal, it's to work towards the goal because sometimes the goal's out of our control. And if we don't meet the goal, then we feel like a failure. So it's, it's more about setting a direction than actually hitting the target. Exactly. And, so, then if you, and then if you hit the target and you, you meet that goal, then that's sort of like an added sort of bonus. Exactly. So in terms of relationships, the goal shouldn't be the relationship. You want to look at what are the practices that lead me to a great relationship direction and then focus on the practices. Um, But so we did one about this. We talked about lagging and leading indicators, but um, you're not going to get the relationship until you've put the practices in, like the relationship that you want lastingly. Um, and so you're much better measure what are the behaviours, actions that I need to do that I'm in control of. Yeah. And then the result naturally comes. So as long as the person's good, this is like my view, at least as long as the person's um, good natured enough and wants good for themselves in life, as I, you know, there's, there's that saying that, is it a psychopath is somebody who keeps trying the same thing and expects a different result or something along them insanity. lines? You, is it what? Insanity is doing insanity, the same thing. Sorry, yeah. Insanity is if you keep trying the same thing and expecting the same result. So I think it's just about creativity. So if the other person's good natured enough and wants good for themselves, as long as that they're there, you, there's always room for the creativity to get to the desired outcome. Yeah, like if you try something and it doesn't work, you creative try. Okay, what else can I try? If that doesn't work, okay, what else can I try? And I think it's that space for creativity that is the potential that moves things forward. Yeah. Um, so if we're talking about relationships, the way that I would say it is. The obsessive, the hacker, and the dabbler are about the relationship there and then. Whereas... How the relationship is there and then or what they expect out of the relationship there and then. Both. How the relationship okay. is because of, of how they, what they want out. Whereas someone pursuing mastery in relationship focuses on the practices because... the desired outcome. Because they can't control the other person, then the relationship that relationship may not work. Yeah. 
but they, they still develop the skills, the knowledge, the boundaries, all of those things that will lead them to a relationship, whether it's with that person or not. Yeah. One, so, one, one, yeah, one. so it's mastery is pursuing on the journey and not the end result. It, it's 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 the um the, the the thrill seeker who is always looking for the thrill of the chase um in the relationship and once the thrill is over because he's conquered or she has conquered then they are bored so they go to the next conquest so i, I presume that that would be a dabbler they don't put the effort in you only put in enough effort to get the thrill that to get the outcome that you want and once you've got it um, and it's no longer diminishing returns, then you go on to the next thrill, um, which to me is really energy draining, <laughs> can be energy draining, I would think. Painful. Yeah, and I, I don't know, you, you evolve to a certain point and then you don't. I, I don't see how you can grow beyond beyond where you always stop, but then that's... For yeah, them. that's why they never develop the skills. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I suppose one of the things that um, we also probably should look at too is um, our ability, our, we need to be agile, flexible, uh, you know, for want of a better term, in, in terms of how we approach, how we make progress in, in any of these. You, you will have setbacks, we will fail at some things. So as Sasha says, you need to be flexible, you need to be able to change. You need to be open to change. You need to be open to new ways of doing things. Um, so that ultimately you will look and say that you have made progress towards um, the aims that you, you had set out. Because I think some of us sometimes focus so hard. It's like a student trying to get a degree or, you know, and they focus on nothing else. And even though the degree may be the wrong degree, and I've been to, to university with a number of students like that, and um, they want to be either, you know, especially the med students wanting to be doctors. And it's an obsession because mommy and daddy say and they want and it's going to give them all the respectability in society and blah 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 and they are not up to scratch and the mental issues that arise from that obsession and they will not consider any other um choice of study hmm. that's presented to them sometimes yeah. it's dropping out of university and i think that kind of fixity of purpose even though it's good in one sense, can be destructive in another. It, it's because it's a fixation on the end result. Yeah. So I think of mastery as someone like Bruce Lee. Um, and everyone wanted to be like Bruce Lee. Like everyone wants, you know, there's hundreds of people who buy, watch the films and, and things like that. But for, I don't think... For someone like that, it's about being in the film or it's about the end result. It, it was about the actual love of the training, of developing further and going beyond where anyone else had gone. I'm hearing it's also about having po sorry, um, positive role models. 
well, sometimes I think you can't get on the journey without because you, you need someone to learn from. You need someone to inspire you, someone to learn from. Um, so, yeah, I mean, when you look at, because when I think of mastery, I, I think, and actually I think like when George Leonard, I think he, he was an Aikido um, thing and I, it is probably where it sort of comes from. But we see it a lot in the, in the culture from, that's an area like martial arts is an area where people go in um, and given an inordinate amount of time and energy, um, what for? So you can do this flying kick with such precision, like what real value is that? But it's a, because it's not really about the kick. It's about the, overcoming oh. yourself, overcoming yeah. your limitations. Yeah. 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 And yeah. So, you, so mastery is falling in love with the ability to transcend your limitations. Well, when you said somebody to learn from, what if you don't have somebody practically to learn from? Is that where books come in? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, think, yeah um, I think it can. In, in what kind of field? Because there are obviously, is, well, I don't suppose there's not any fields that there aren't books or, not, or videos on. But is there, is there a particular like field that you can think of where... Uh, just, just life in general. I think improvement. I think it. I think what it is is we need to see it's possible. So the big thing in relationships. What one of the things I've learned is I like write a lot. I share a lot of ideas, um, and actually, that's not really people's best that's not really in best service to, to most people because people will get the idea, think that they understand it, but there's an, a difference between intellectual understanding and actually practicing. Um, and actually I'd be better on working on people's motivation and belief because the biggest problem most people have in their relationships is, is that they don't think they can be better. They don't think, that there is um so self-limiting beliefs yeah and i think in when you look at relationships i think we have a medieval mentality to them so if you looked 300 years ago at the field of medicine it was when someone got sick mostly they thought it was a curse from god they thought it was um witchcraft someone had put a spell on them um, is this in England? Yeah, anywhere. Anywhere. Um, like 300 years ago, there wasn't really a very developed medical field because yeah. there was such a strong religious belief. Um, because the, the church was so powerful and the priests would say, um, oh, this is from God and you need to come to us. And I think that's more of a Western thing. So possibly. That's, sorry, yeah, yeah, possibly. Yeah. Because I get Eastern, what you're saying, though. Yeah, I mean, I can't really um, not not being you know like fully conversant with you um i know like eastern medicine is different um but yes th there wasn't really a um a belief in science in science and so it took like a science a belief in science before we understood okay there's a disease there's a cause for the disease um let's treat the cause and now 
our population grew from 1900, uh, yeah, 1900 to now, like over seven times, seven yeah. times the population because... That's one of the problems, I think, though. We're too overpopulated. There's just too many people. But then does science have the problem for that? Yeah, Elon Musk thinks he does. Nuke everyone. <laughs> that'll, that, that'll keep him in line. <laughs> Covid is 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 here, and bit in control in controlling us, unfortunately. What would you say? So did so did you get what you were saying was that so concepts have changed once science came in with medical. You think we've also got medieval views of relationships. So in relationships, we have our views of a relationship are like our views of medicine were three hundred years ago. Three hundred years ago, people weren't going to a doctor. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, mean, there was to the there sink was type of stuff. Sorry. Do you mean chain to the sink type of stuff? No, no, um, no, some of that, but more is the fact that people don't think there's a solution. A couple will get to stalemate, okay. and they go, "Oh, we're just growing apart." Oh, that's not the person. Um, I'm. So we talked about adult child being a child in an adult's body. That's a, a, a refined. Um, perception um, the an argue, like the fact that a, a couple have come to stalemate they think oh this is it oh, okay we'll go to counselling but even counsellors they're still working from um, that kind of basis um, and there isn't really like counsellors aren't like where's the, the knowledge base that counsellors are working from counsellors work with okay you think this, Ideas. you think this, can we resolve mm. it? Um, so there, people don't see there being a solution because there isn't enough knowledge. Um, and so really a lot of the, a lot of marriages could be fixed if people, if they had different assumptions, expectations um, about the relationship First of all, you can build it so it doesn't. You don't get to those problems. Do you think though? Because marriage is—I don't mean to go off on a tangent—but do you think like marriage is—is is, you know, there's a much more divorce, and I think you know because people's um, people—I don't know if it's commitment, but people people are people would stay in marriages for varying different reasons, but people are more likely to stay out the, the course of a marriage. I don't know how satisfying they were. But I yeah, I think they stay got that kind of staying power anymore. Well I, I, yeah. I think they don't have that staying power because they don't have the same physical struggle. Because yeah, but women I think now you you have to look at the time frame though that you're talking about because um if you go back a couple of centuries um life expectation expectancy was a lot shorter um staying in a marriage was not something that was going to be 50 years you know 40 years or whatever people died uh, married young life was brutish in a way so um i think the structures that we are looking at and call marriage now is an institution that uh is it's 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 a lifetime, a, a, a literal lifetime. You know, fifty, sixty years, on average, and um, people change significantly over that 
period. But also, I think we have to have a discussion about the framing of marriage. What is marriage? What, and as you're saying, that it hasn't really changed from the way it was structured in, in, in the past. And that is the question. Um, two people coming together in a marriage, are they framing their marriage themselves or is it the framing that society has imposed on them and they have to live within that structure? And in many instances, um, people are probably finding it increasingly difficult to live within the confines of that structure. And I know that, for example, and these are simple things, but they used to give me the creeps. I, I used to get really angry. Um, our lawyer um, said, um, he was a he was a he's a friend, right? So I mean, he was at university with me, so we are on first name basis. And he would say, "Come, Betty, um, I'm Betty too, uh, by the way." So he said, "Come, Betty, um, you know you have to sign this as well because you know your husband is in charge of you. You know, you know the laws are um, are antiquated, but we know you don't. We know it's not so, but it. But for legal reasons, you just have to sign it, you know, because you you need to sign it. Um, and the way people term you, you are the other half. You are the the. Um, it's like the husband's appendage, and so th th those are the things that people say and do in other words they're framing the relationship and how it's how it's going to operate and you just slide right into it if you don't make a conscious effort of understanding the pillars on which your relationship sit and how your marriage is going to perform which is why for example you still see articles by husbands who are stay-at-home dads and how they feel strange and in some circumstances and they feel alienated and they are the only man in the um the baby group on a morning because they are challenging the norm and many of us go into marriages without questioning whether those norms imposed on us by society are suitable for us I think it's probably different, different for each couple and it's for each couple to decide what's right for them too. But then understanding that there is going to be social pressures and are they going to support each other through that? It is. Which is where counselling should come before the marriage rather than when there is a problem in yeah. the marriage. Like pre-marriage counselling type yeah. of stuff. Yeah. So, Rob, so I don't I don't mean to sort of overcomplicate your metaphor with the, the sort of medical and the 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 marriage being sort of medieval, but so you're saying like with medical, they didn't understand the cause and they'd kind of have these sort of um, false reasons for why people were getting ill. But marriages used to, I don't, like I said, I don't know how satisfying they were, but marriages used to work much more sort of in medieval times or at least last the course of, and Sandra's points are completely relevant, but I'm just not sure I completely get the metaphor. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, okay. So in in the, med the medical um, 
if someone was sick, they didn't look, they didn't go to the pharmacy because there wasn't a pharmacy. So is it, are you, is it kind of getting to the point that people would just stay in unhappy relationships rather than get to the solution of the get to the problem and the solution of the problem? Well, also, um, Rob, I, mean, um, I, I just need to add one thing here. I think that would um, uh, add a little bit of color. In many um, countries in days gone by, marriages were um, alliances. There were alliances between families. There were alliances that gave power. Political reasons and stuff like that. So you had to stay together. It wasn't about romance. Romance is a new and love at first. That's a new thing. I mean, that Shakespeare and stuff, Romeo and Juliet. Before that, marriages were, and like even in India, where they look at, you know, your contribution and your family and whatever before the alliances, you know, like the Hindu weddings and so forth. Um, the it, it, so it's an it's an alliance. for love is a new concept. Yeah. So if you if you break up, whereas now it's individual choice, we marry an individual, marrying an individual. For them, it was families um, aligning themselves with another family. So if you break up, then you're breaking up communities, in a sense. So um, th- there's there's that. And also, I think when when you're looking at when did the divorce rate happen? So I think there's that traditionally, and then you're looking at 1950s is when the divorce rate started to go. Now, first of all, there hadn't been the expectation. So, like Sandra said, there wasn't the expectation of big happy. There, um, so we've been through sexual revolutions and all that sort of stuff as well though since then i'm I'm wondering how what and what timeline that happened and where that fits into things so so you're looking at that's from about the 60s so so, but if we go back to when the divorce rate first started so up till that time when you think there wasn't really a mass media there was radio there was uh cinema um but we weren't television was up to 1950 probably wasn't there so we weren't getting so many messages, but there was also, it was still quite religious. So there's still a lot of shame and a lot of peer pressure to stay in a relationship. Um, there wasn't like, you know, when you're talking about the sexual revolution, a woman couldn't like leave the marriage um, and then go out and date lots of people. I think this is partly to do with, Sandra brought this up as well earlier on. I think the law plays a big role in it. Mm. Um, yeah. Because women didn't have independence before about 1950. So it will vary from country to country, and it still does, doesn't it? Yeah, of course, because of the customs and the culture and, and how strong that that pressure is. But there's so so what you've got from 1950 on is you've got the expectations have gone sky high with media. You've also got with technology. There's there's like less social pressure because divorce is now quite commonplace. Whereas once there was a shame. So what that also creates is it creates a marketplace of other alternative partners. You've got women going out in the workplace. Um, so they have more opportunity. They're mixing more. Um, and so there's more like people that they could. When was the second with. world war? Uh, just 1947. It finished. Okay. Yeah. So that, that was like the second world war was really 
the first world war was when women got a lot of power when because they needed to come out and make the bullets and all the rest of it they needed them in the workforce yeah and so the second what what happened in the second world war was men came back women had increasingly shown that they could cope without men um they didn't need men a lot of men came back damaged um and so then you've also got the media's grown so there's talk people are starting to talk about their lives you know before when someone was battered about at home they didn't tell anyone um and if they did tell people it's like yeah well that happens to me just just keep quiet about it there's nothing no um, one can do about it yeah so increasingly we're more open about things so now you've got a situation well, then, people- oh, sorry, not to sorry, not to sort of like make it more complicated. But then on the flip side, you've got things like social services or like the. Uh, I don't know how to explain it. So you were talking about battery, for example, and I don't know if there's any what services are there. I think social services can now force people to split up and stuff like that. Um, and but these, oh, what was my point? Never mind, I've, I've lost yeah, my so, point. So there are all these structures, so it's a lot easier to leave a relationship. No, but, but I think that also makes it more complicated because it's it's almost like um, an outside force has power to do something now, so people expect outside forces to fix the problem. Yes, I, I mean, I think there is a lot of... I think there's a lot of people do abdicate. Um and then they can get too involved as well. Yeah, but I, I, I think in the, I think that's that's a small minority that yeah, social yeah, services sorry, have been involved. Off, off but topic. I think there's a, a lot of relationships. I don't think people change, but I think what changes is their expectations of what they want from a relationship, their alternative options, and so now people are looking for a relationship for emotional satisfaction where for centuries they were just staying together for physical survival, that physical survival was enough. And I think you can't underestimate that before 1950, when you're talking in social services, there wasn't a welfare system. You know, like the welfare system only started very like in a very basic way in the 20s. Um, so there wasn't, like if you left your husband, you weren't getting a, a council house and, and money like for a lot of people, a lot of women, it was like, how, I, how can we no survive? Way out for them. Yeah. And so pe- people haven't actually changed, but what's changed is their options are so much easier and their expectations are higher. I think what you're talking about though, is this, this, the cultural and social norms. But then I also always think there's an exception to that. There's always something mm. that's going right in, in right throughout history within that context. Sorry, what so, you mean? so I'm just thinking of some some particular history that I know of, ancient history. That what you're explaining is it's kind of like from another context in other countries. It was like this barbarism going on, and all of the things you were explaining were happening. But there was also a segment of of people that were living completely different than that, and were fulfilling each other's emotional needs and all the rest of it. Hmm. Yes. So, so yeah. So it, it's that we're talking about the culture, and we're talking about the culture of like I know the culture of here. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, in, in other cultures, there are very different types of relationships. They, that might be true. I don't know much about the history mm. of England, but there might be also 
culture within English history that that so you're describing the norm. Hmm. There might have been a small portion of people that were were other than the norm. I'm not saying oh, there yeah, is yeah. It's just a possibility that that was still existing then, as it yeah. Yeah, no, of course, there's all, there's always, everything exists always, everywhere. So the brutality is still somewhere. Um, and even in the most brutal times, there were people who, who had the best of relationships and who were the best of people. But one of the things, when I'm talking about it being medieval mentality, yeah. what I'm saying is, number one, they don't see there being um, a, a principle or something that they can control something they don't see the cause when so 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 we should be just, we're just talking in general so generalizing for generalization yeah, just, as a mass as a mass yeah, we, yeah. we're looking at mainstream media mass the mass of people so you're talking more about the mainstream moving towards what's right well i'm talking about when you're looking at like generalizing i think you have to look at the mainstream I don't think um, mainstream's going to get better. I think mainstream's going to get worse. Um, because to people have too much, to not say too much freedom, I mean in the sense of too much liberalism. And to this, like you're saying about the media, the most people's um, education, or I don't know if education's the right word, but most people are tuned into the media and listening to the media. And that's more powerful than you know, the small population that are stepping out from that narrative being fed to them all of the time, the ones that are asleep to that. Yeah, but but I think what happens is the problems, When whenever there's a problem in your psychology, there's a problem in your practicality. Um, and so those problems, and I think Trump, the whole Trump drama is, shows us what social media does in terms of polarisation. It shows us, um, what ignorance and prejudice and all of those kind of things do. And I think eventually people learn from them. So. Mm. I think things are getting more. Can I ask you a question before we finish, Rob? Because I, I just realised it's 10 o'clock. Yeah, sure. You know, when you were talking about the adult child. Yeah. Do you mean that about when we're not emotionally um, mature or. or when you when you use the phrase adult child, you mean when we're coming from the emotional part of our brain? That's yeah. I I think Errol um, uh, said it best. Is is when we're filled with emotion, basically we be become like a child. Was so that, I mean, is, it, when, whenever I mean, it's ordinary for people to have emotion. So I suppose for for somebody to not be considered an adult child, then they would need to. Uh, be aware of their emotions and respond consciously rather than mindlessly. Yeah, so it's it's where people uh, their emotions hijack them. So the emotions run the behaviour, whereas an adult controls the behaviour. And so the difference is self awareness. Um, not just self awareness, because you can be aware and still do it. it it's control. It's it's being in control of your emotions. So it's not it's not that sounds like you're a robot, but it's not it's not that. But it's that your emotions don't control your behaviour. You're aware of your emotions, um, but you don't let them control you. So a lot of people will, will lash out at people and they say, "Well, it's because I was feeling bad." Um, well, um, as if it's okay. 
Yeah. I so it's, I always say to my son, is the key to that, is the key to that mindfulness then? It's space, not necessarily, maybe mindfulness. Mindfulness is a technique, but it's, it's the space. Being okay may- with the emotion, not trying to push it away, being okay with it, being there and not reacting yeah. to it. You can experience emotion without being the emotion. Isn't it that part of being an adult is that you are able to rationalize um, events um, and apply the appropriate behavior? Most people probably would do that in retrospect, though, wouldn't they? Um, No, no, sometimes, yeah, but at the same time, that is how you... um, even it may be, become instinctive in a sense because of conditioning over time. But nonetheless, it is an, um, applying the appropriate behavior to an external stimulus um, and to, to determine which behavior is exhibited requires some rational thought. Um, it's not, that's what I'm, that's what I'm trying to get to. Um, in other words, but, but- Rob, when you said space, is that not the same as mindfulness? When you say space, is that not like watching yourself? Or what do you mean when you say space? Probably. Um, Mindfulness is not something that comes to, like I've heard the term, but it's not mine. It's not the way I think of it. Um, So mindfulness, mindfulness is being aware of what you feel. So yeah, probably it is the same thing. Um, it's also dealing with things as they happen because if you don't deal with them, then next time that happens, it's going to trigger you. So it is a level of maturity. It's, 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 it, but, but it comes back to what I'm saying. There's a conscious think thought, th- thinking process that happens. Yeah. Be it yeah. that you are um, conscious of it or sub or, or subconscious, but there is something that happens that is 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 it's on a rational plane. It removes it from the emotional, instinctive, animalistic um, response. Then that's yeah. that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, there's the emotion, and then there's the level of control. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think you still have to be comfortable with your emotions and all of that because I always say to my son it's like say anger for example a lot of us will traditionally go you know you can't be angry it's wrong to be angry instead of going no it's okay to be angry that's how you feel but it's important to know how to respond to your anger yeah um yeah that that brings to mind earlier on we were talking about adult child um, and people talking about you, you tell a child do this, do this, and then it's about the power and control. And it's a bit I felt uncomfortable with. Um, and that just clarifies it is that if you control a child and you say you shouldn't do that, you should do this, and they will behave like that because they learn to. I agree. But they don't develop emotionally. So uh, actually, why a lot of adults have the issue. You know, why the lot of the adults are road rage and fighting in pubs is because their parents maybe disciplined them and controlled their behavior, but they didn't develop their emotions. So how would they develop their emotions? Are you saying tell them what's right and wrong and then give them an option with consequences? Well, right and wrong, right and wrong is is about power and control because then I'm deciding what's right and wrong. Um and 
I'm telling you, this is right, this is wrong. So for me, it's more about, okay, what's your natural blueprint? I, I, nat- I believe people are, are inherently good. And so, right, what do you need? So if you, for right and wrong, I think you have to develop it. You have to develop your sense of values. You do have to develop your sense of maturity. And right and wrong is is at different levels of maturity. So when you look at moral development, um, level three, so like moral development is first, I, I do what I want because I'm a savage. I, I want this, I get this. Next one is I'll, I'll do what makes... Um, I'll, I'll do whatever will get me a result. Level three is I follow the rules of the society. And then level four is I follow, was it not I follow the rules of society, I follow principles. But ultimately it's about not necessarily following the rules of society because all the Nazis followed the rules of society. Um, it's about following absolute principles like freedom, independence, all of those things. What's, what do you really believe? And a child can only develop that level of maturity if they're taught to think about it and 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 think for a lot to decide for themselves yeah so mastery is really about attention and energy if you give attention and energy to enough to to something you see it so much more refined and then you can understand it so where is somebody what if somebody contemplates something and they decide to do something that's not morally correct well, and this this is the exact correlation to what Sasha said about mainstream media. I think a lot of the times you have to go wrong before it's like a rubber band. You go so far wrong, something tragic happens, and then it pings back the other way because it brings a lot of awareness to it. So if you look at so if you look at the Iraq War, um, that is, is an example of where Blair and Bush. Went, went headlong into this war without any evidence just because of their biases um, and so I think what happened is you brought a lot of awareness and energy to that whole conflict and then it's like pinged back um, and so we've got massive awareness and energy on that whole um, like Middle East conflict that East like yeah Middle East West religious, all of those areas, all of that conflict has massive attention that will eventually get worked out. And in the same way, I think the Trump thing shows what happens when you have social media, when you have someone who winds people up and tries to um, assert their power and there's Black Lives Matter, all of these things are bringing more awareness. So the worst thing, I think, um, has been political correctness because political correctness means people stop using the words, but it doesn't stop the way that they feel or they think. So do you, do you believe that the, the, the mass of society is going to wake up? Well, there's always early adopters. And so you always get early adopters, like in any, any field, you m- mindfulness who was talking about mindfulness 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago? Now it's in all the magazines. It's best-selling books. 
So, yeah, that's be- that's because that for for re- that's for reasons though because they recognise that people need some sort of spiritualness and spiritual practice for the good of their own health, and and Buddhism sort of fit into that because they say that it's not a religion. So people adapt the spiritual practices as non-religious practices to keep the society sort of calm enough to keep going with the capitalistic sort of drill of everything. Um, but it's actually taken the religion out of it, but it's there as a tool to kind of help society serve capitalism. But do you think... Um so I don't I don't believe capitalism has has done that. I believe that capitalism has broken people, and broken people have looked for a solution, um, and they look. So that's for all what, kinds but of that's solutions. why if you go if people have problems and they go to the doctors and they go to therapy and go through the NHS, it's all that what's missing is some spiritual aspect, and the Fed sort of this watered down Buddhism. I think. Um, if you don't have something, you have a problem. Like if you don't have meaning, if you don't have purpose, if you don't have um, emotional fulfillment, if you don't have a, a good relationship, you've got a problem. And people will... So if you want to look back 300 years ago, there was that religious view. So people went to the priest rather than the doctor. Um but the priest's answers didn't help them. So when you look in, I don't know, is it three, 400 years ago when priests were selling indulgences? So the priests would, um, were often the most corrupt um, and were, okay, yeah, yeah, well, what you need is you need to um, pay me this amount of money and you'll get indulgences and then you'll be fine. So, so there, yeah, I'm not. I'm not talking like obviously every in every religion there's a lot of corruption and indoctrination, but I guess I don't. I can't remember. I've sort of lost the point. Well, I guess my my original question was: Do you believe that the mass of society is going to sort of wake up? And I guess what you're saying is that somebody there's always somebody that's created something that's helped the mass evolve yeah it's there's a problem and then there's a solution that someone believes in so that's what happened with mindfulness there's a problem there's a problem i always think that it's a minority and not the majority that move forward yeah you don't need the majority because yeah, you that's what them. I was trying to get at. That's why I was asking you, is it? Because you earlier on you were talking about generally um, you feel that most people have got this kind of medieval view of relationships. And that's why I was asking, do you believe that the majority of people are going to wake up and start having fantastic relationships? Oh, no. Um, not, no, I... I think there's like there's early adopters. There's people that are really on looking. People who want to develop themselves. People who are looking for answers. They come in, and then they people see them getting results, and then their friends, and then it spreads like that. So, um, it it takes years. I mean, when you're looking at mainstream, what goes from science to mainstream is often like forty years later before it becomes. Um, popular so 
but the the media will, will always cover things and certain people will grab onto them but i think what you're seeing now is a multiplication of um, what i would call various types of experiments happening now and there's an explosion of research there is an explosion of of people writing on relationship related matters and self-actualization you need the personhood etc 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 so there's a whole set of literature um that's coming out at a rapid pace to inform the, the various debates but nonetheless i think people feel free enough to experiment and there are many different experiments happening you know you have same-sex um relationships you have um, uh, what you call them partnerships um occurring and then you've got uh, all the different um lgb what's what i can never remember all of the letters but you know what i'm talking about um which um, are becoming part and parcel. They may be um, considered fringe groups, but they are part and parcel of the whole range of different types of relationships that um, are evolving. And I think out of that, we will see certain um, certain aspects evolving which will contribute to how relationships move along. As you're saying, Rob, over time, the early adopters, they they pass it on, it becomes known, people um, mimic, people experiment, and certain forms become accepted, and certain um, established traditions um, move, die away because there's no longer space for them. Um, for example, in the Caribbean, because of um, our slavery past, we were um, slaves were deliberately um, family slave families were deliberately broken up, and that was for purposes of keeping making them um, socially disconnected. Because um, if you had large groups of slaves who spoke the same language, then they could um, rebel. They could plan rebellions. So you would inevitably take the father away and sell him to another plantation far away from his, especially if he was very good, he would fetch a good price because he had good genes. And so that broke down that, what would be seen as the Christian, um, what we would call the Christian norm of, of relationships. So um, in that society, in the Caribbean societies, you found um, a lot of what would we call common law relationships. In other words, a man and a woman living together, but not married formally. And they would have children because the expectation was that it, the, um, the family was going to be broken up by the, by the slave owner. And that has come through into our current situation. Um, now you find that more people um, entering into, I suppose, professional careers and um, being more rooted. The development of the um, nuclear family and children, you know, having children. And so you, you find that by and large, the middle class, as they are called, are married uh, and tend to be married. Um, Whereas oh, yeah. in other societies, it was the other way around. Everybody had to get married. 
you know, everybody, um, if, if you weren't married, you would be ostracized from society. Um, say in, when was it? 1970, whatever it was, Michael Manley got rid of what was called the Bastard, the Bastard Day Act. Because if you were born out of wedlock, uh, wedlock, you were called, you know, the usual, the bastard. And, and you really were ostracized from lots of things. So uh, I'm just saying that depending on where you are in terms of the cultural norm, um, there's, there are different structures as to how the society is set up and the importance paid um, on marriage. Because I remember when I was a child, I remember um, our nanny, she got married and she was so proud because that was respectability that gave her respectability because now she could be called Mrs. Somebody. Okay. Um, she was not a girlfriend living in a thing because, of course, this was, <laughs> you know, way down in the, um, in the 60s. And so... It was um, it was a source of pride, and uh, and it elevated her status because she was doing the right things thing in the eyes of the church, for example, and so her children would be um, would would be seen not as bastards, but of of, of an upstanding family, you know, with good Christian family. Uh, and, and those in the eyes of society uh, were seen to be something to be valued. Whereas now, um, we live in, we, many of us live in society, whichever society we are in, uh, almost in an, an, an anonymous state. We, you know, apart from our small communities uh, or extended family, if you live in a, like London, uh, um, you know, how many. How big is your community? Who who do you um, who's 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 um, opinion do you value? Who who whose opinion matters to you? Um, who looks at you? You know, so it's those kinds of things I think that has changed how we behave, but also change how we view the institution of marriage and the importance of marriage because the statistics. For the UK, I can't remember when last I saw them, but the number of 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 of, of homes that had parents that were not married had increased. There are a lot more children who are being born out of wedlock than there would have been if, um, say, in the sixties. Eh? Yeah, and John Bradshaw said that's one of the biggest tragedies of society is that kids are being brought up by single mothers. And like Sandra said as well, like to just to add to the conversation, the nuclear family is completely different now than it was, um, which I don't think is a positive thing. Um, and I think probably a lot of now families, these two, two families working, the schools are left to look after the kids. Um, so the, the kids are being trained from a much younger age by society than by the home. Um, and then, you know, you know, then there's a lot more relationship problems to solve because now there's, you know, there's so many different dynamics going on. And if back to the sort of metaphor before with, I see what you're saying about medical stuff. And I think to a degree, medical science is really good because, you know, people aren't dying 
because of medical science, but it's great at the point of saving life and preventing death. But then they're handing out antidepressants to thousands of people that don't need it from a place of greed. So on the sort of flip side of of the greatness of this medical science, it can also be used for used for evil and actually make people sicker and have more problems because they're on these chemical brain chemical altering drugs. Well, wherever there's a um, financial incentive, um, but really what what that's about is there is no real solution to depression um, that people know about. Because again, what we've done is we've looked at depression as a medical issue. And sometimes it's a medical issue and sometimes it isn't. And so we don't have a solution. This is what I'm talking about, the med- um, medieval mentality. Is that So in terms of relationships, in terms of, like, let's say it's depression where someone doesn't have a chemical like a chemical depression, then um, many people are depressed just because they their life isn't really in order. Like they, because and it's really about not having that mastery. It's um, David Brooks talks about in the in the second mountain about being um, because our culture is so individualist that many people have climbed the first mountain of being successful and having a career and a home and things like that, but without any meaning. And so then they dip down and the second mounting is having that community, having that um, sense of purpose of something greater than themselves. Yeah, so, that's part of, part of my point was, is also that the way that all of this research is going on around relationships and stuff like that. And there's the sort of forerunners and, you know, the people really developing all of these ideas now um, I think there's probably space for that to be used f- towards corruption as well. And I think it's just something to be aware of. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think if you look at a lot of the, if you look at the most popular videos on YouTube and Facebook, they're sort of scammy ones to, to sell people. Um, no, no, I'm talking about the genuine research. So, so say, say all this funding's going into brain scans on this, these couples and all this money's going into research in this university and by these professors and all of this collective knowledge, like, you know, all of the collective knowledge from the medical community to develop this, this and this, it can then be misused. Yeah, uh, um, I mean, a lot of, when you look at, when you look at the state of our food industry, um, a lot of it is because most MPs and most research is funded by the food companies that are making the most money to, that's why you have the confusion over butter and margarine, because you've got huge companies with huge budgets funding people to find research. The tobacco companies and all of that sort of stuff, apparently they also give money to the NHS to cover the cost of the related illnesses that come from tobacco and food and all the rest of it. And it's known that our way of life, when they go to a, a third world country, like an undeveloped country, and then they give them our infrastructure, they know that the rate of suicide, depression, is going to go up and they account for that in in their budgeting um so we know we're imposing it on people and yet 
that, that's what I'm talking about. The medieval, the medieval mentality. If there was a way of making money that they that people knew, but and I don't think it's that they they don't know because if they had a better way, they'd sell that. Um, but we have to be, we have to we have to decouple the, the um, real need and um, need that is. Um, uh, that is imposed on you. In other words, the marketers, um, they come up with campaigns to influence your, that you need certain things. And that even applies to the medical world because it, there's many things that we can do without that we are told that we need to have it if we're going to be healthy. For example, you know, all these various potions and what have you so it's it's a complex web but nonetheless um out of all of that it still has enabled us to live longer to live um uh to to have more time in one sense because of all of the aids that we have um supposedly it should give us more time for ourselves but clearly not what it does is gives us more time to spend um, chasing the almighty dollar because we spend more time doing work to make more money. And so we are part and parcel. We are all in that, you know, the hamster wheel. And we are all just running for our lives on it, on it, on it, and um, trying to keep up. And there will yet be something else that will be added to the pot very soon that we will be told that we can't live without. And we are going to work our fingers to the bone to acquire it. It's just like, you know, Listerine that everybody, I hate that stuff. Um, you're told it's the best mouthwash. Listerine was not designed to be a mouthwash. It was going to be a cleaner for something, okay? Um, some, some cleaning fluid of some sort. And it was not passed. And they decided, well, it it kills bacteria. Let's reshape it as mouthwash. It's those kinds of things that we, I think, we are in a world now wherein they can get to us directly. As, as you said, Rob, the days of the radio and not having all of these ad campaigns. And of course, Hollywood has destroyed a lot of our lives. <laughs> Even the myth of the, the perfect husband and the perfect wife and all of that. Thanks to Hollywood and Disney. We believe in the myth. But, and that I think has done a lot to destroy our relationships because we have come to expect these gilded um, versions of perfect relationships from, from that kind of media um, as well, and Mills and Boons and all of that. But nonetheless, that's another conversation. But my thing is that um, our expectations now versus in the medieval, in the medieval, they were, they were um, more structured and narrowly defined and um, community or society um, def defined. And it's for as I said, alliances, etc. Now it's the individual. And if you have the power to influence the individual, then you um you you have a lot of power, I find. And in days gone by, it used to be the church. In the in the main, um 
or in some communities, it would have been the witch doctor, whoever it was. But now uh, we are self-sufficient in a way. And who do we look to? Where do we get our guidance from? Who do we listen to? Um, what elements? <laughs> the Kardashians. Oh, no, 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 no. Remember, Ka no, 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 no. Kim and Kanye are going to divorce. So, I mean, we cannot take their advice. It didn't work for them. Um, so, <laughs> so the question is, who do we look to for advice? Where do we, um, who do we believe? And what elements do we decide um, to incorporate into our existence because that's what will work for us. How do we learn to make those decisions? To me, to me, the fundamental issue is that we are not well equipped to decipher and to, 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 to look through, to hunt through and make the appropriate um, decisions where these, you know, in, in, with with all of what's going on around us, and so many of us end up um, confused, and we're just bumbling along. So it's like where you come in, Rob. Where you come in because it's your work to look through these things and to um, find separate the wheat from the chaff, as they say. I mean, just to make sense out of nonsense because there's just so much. Um. What do you call it now? The plasters, the plasters, the um, immediate solutions, the self, the self help, um, the good self help versus the fake ones, and it's to know. So, like with the nuclear family breaking down, I think communities breaking down. You know, kids are not having that same input from the parents that they used to. And now we've got sort of like the therapy culture as a result, because the work, the, there's so much missing from the individual that they need to find that later on in life. And that happens and there's a lot of money to be made in the therapy culture. And I'm not saying that's bad because but I just think that there's only a few people that really benefit from it and really come out of the other end. I think it's always going to be the minority that actually have healthy relationships and have like real satisfying relationships and have other good things in their life. Well, I, well, I look at, um, you know, the, the nuclear family and things like that structural are political issues because that's, yeah. you're looking at the mass scale. And it isn't necessarily the nuclear fact that, that a child needs a nuclear family because there's many children that grow up in dysfunctional nuclear families. But what I look at, what does the individual need? And the individual needs love and they need um, someone that they can talk to, they need trust, all of those things so that they can develop. Um, but what I, I do think is, you know, when you, when you look at in terms of the medieval mentality, what I'm trying to get at, is if you look at where, um, marriage, so people get married, look at where they spend their money. So the, you know, I don't know what an engagement ring is. Marriages though. So when you say look at marriage, I can't really look at marriage. Okay, so really you, that typical typical couple that isn't necessarily very healthy. What what do they value? Where do they spend money in that marriage? To build the empire. No, well, like a couple, you know. There, no, but but there is the getting married bit. Yeah, and like, it's the diamond ring. 
the, the, the gown, the party, the whole marriage stuff. Okay, so there's a lot of emphasis on that. And that has to be done the right way in the wedding cake and yada, 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 and the honeymoon and so on. And, um, and, and society, depending on on how strong you are, and what, if you are looking down the road versus just the occasion, you can be bankrupt before you actually <laughs> finish your honeymoon and start your 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 paying off your wedding for the next thirty years. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and um, so and that's before children. Um, and, and so that starts a process of expectations too, because if you can find all of this money and you can create this bash, then you are not going to be living in a studio flat um, after the honeymoon is over. You expect more than that because you got a big diamond and you had a lavish wedding. And so therein lies part of the whole start of the expectations which cannot be met which starts the whole resentment thing um i'm working my fingers to the bone and it's never enough and 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 to me that's a downhill spiral if you're not careful mm. and what it does is it places the emphasis on the spectacle of the wedding rather than the intent of the wedding so yes, yeah, so, I mean, so when when you look at a couple, like on average, they spend thirty two thousand pounds on a wedding, and you probably know friends and and people who've got married of how much time and planning and attention and effort and all of those things into getting the right dress and to getting the right flowers and to getting the right all of those things. How much time and attention and money do they spend on actually building the relationship? How much time have they talked about the 30 years after the marriage? It's, that's kind of left to, it's not a priority at all. It's left to the last priority. And and even when you look at when, when a couple divorces on average, the divorce cost, aside from housing expense, like of, of running two homes and that, the, just the divorce cost on average is about 13 grand. Right. And there's enormous amounts of pain and um, fighting and attention and energy on that separating of the assets and the, and the separating of the relationship. And yet how much of that do they put into making it work? How much do they put in into building it? How much do they put into um, making it work when things go wrong? That's what I'm talking about in terms of people because of the, like the media or what they can tell they tell you that you have to pay over the odds for wedding photography, for wedding flowers, for wedding, anything that has wedding attached, the price goes right up. Has that always been the case in history or is this more since media has been, been the major? Um, yeah. I mean, before it, marriage was a private thing. Um, I mean, the church wasn't initially involved in the, in, in marriage until about the 10th century. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then they, they wanted to gain control of it. And I mean, like uh, the whole fact. Go on, sorry. The whole fact of a marriage, which I, I was going to say earlier, is it's not a contract between you two. It's a contract between you and the state, between you and the queen, in in this country anyway. But it, it's 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 a legal contract, and that means that the society has control over the relationship. That's why it's so difficult to divorce. 
Yeah, that's why I said I think law plays a lot into it because if you, who were the lawmakers? Why did they put these laws into place? What are they well, there to serve? It's control. I mean, the church wanted it in, a, in the 10th century because weddings were happening and they weren't controlling it. They wanted the control. And then they said, well, we need to know who's married, who's not, for, like for the census and things like that. So that it becomes a control because you can, when you control, when you know numbers like that, you can put taxes and things like that on. Um, and also and, you, you added another layer of control because the patriarchy wanted to make sure that women were also controlled. So the man in the the husband is in control of the wife. She's part of the chattels and she is property and the children are property. Um, once married, she, in other words, technically, I am Mrs. Edwin Wint and not Mrs. Sandra Wint. That's how it went. Once you got married, you took your husband's name as, um, um, what's her name? Downton Abbey Lady says, um, when you get married, you no longer have an opinion. Your husband's opinion is your opinion. <laughs> so, um, so that's how you were. And if you brought assets with you, from if your parents were rich and they had thing and what have you, your assets became your husband's. And so, yeah, you're right. So the state then had control over um, the, 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 the husband um, as far as property and taxes and all the rest of it was concerned. But then he had um, dominion over the wife and the children. But nowadays, women can turn around and say, well, I'm, I'm not happy with you. If you don't sort it out, I can leave you and take half of what, everything you've got. You can. But yeah, also, you can. when you look at... That's, because, that's just another aspect. Now, the law's there. Hmm. It makes it easier for a woman to can use that as a leverage of control in the relationship, which is obviously not a good thing. Well, it is. And, and, it's, and it's also why women initiate more divorce, because women are generally more unhappy in the relationship than a man. But also, when you, when, once you've got the law involved, law works on a, on a system of blame. Someone has to be to blame. So divorce, you have to prove blame. And uh, apart from now that you've got the two two year quickie divorce, um, but other than that, you have to prove blame. You have to prove adultery. You have to prove um, neglect or um, whatever it is, or abandonment. If you have abandoned the marriage because you no longer live there. When so, I talk about marriage, though, I'm not talking about the conventional legal marriage. I'm just talking about more of a marriage under in the mm. eyes of religion or under God. Yeah. Yeah, no, I understand. I understand that. I understand, like you're you're looking for a commitment committee kind of thing, but I'm talking about in general relationships. So what what you have to do when you have a divorce is blame each other, which then causes more fights, which then it's makes kind of insurance culture for cars and stuff, isn't it? Everyone's always oh, if there's a little near miss, like who did that? Who was in? Oh, and then oh, let's just say it was them, so that I don't have to pay out on my insurance. And you try to come up with this story, and the law is it's not so well, obviously. There's a no, there's a no, is it a no fault divorce now. It's, it, I think it's called. There a no is fault. after two years. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and so, uh, that's a little bit of progress in the law. But I think with the with majority with the law, though, it seems to be like little bites of change. And but but then there's still the whole system's usually still quite messed up. 
Yeah, but um, what what will happen is I think um, it's a generational thing. I mean, we 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 are thinking that this is um, uh, this has been going on for very long. But as Rob was saying, think of um, immediately after World War Two and going into the fifties and the sixties, um, and here we are now. Um, things have moved along. Um, quite rapidly when compared in the past where things would be going on for a century or two before you'd see any real significant change. And that is because um, one, uh, religion is 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 um, in some places waning and it's more uh, like, you know, um, in some of the Scandinavian countries, it's more of a partnership that they look at. And yes, they they get their civil partnerships and their marriages. Some will marry in the church. Um, but nonetheless, um, they view the marriage as a partnership. Uh, whereas in some societies, marriage has a lot more um, layers to it in as far as children and relatives and property and uh, so no matter where you go if you are part and parcel of that society it is and, and also the stigma attached to divorce because that has had to um be be tackled there was a time when it was so difficult to get a divorce. And if you are a divorced woman, you were almost um, an outcast. You know, something must have been wrong with you while your husband divorced you. So you were damaged goods. Um, uh, but now people will divorce and they will divorce again. And there are so many people who have had so many marriages. Uh, so I think over time we will see that it has been evolving um but it is not a it's not that sharp change where you say pre this year it was this and after that it changed to this i think we are what we are seeing it is evolving and uh over right in front of us it's happening different types of relationships are evolving um, I'm not stuck on the on 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 uh, on um. I call it relationships because there are some people who are as committed in their relationship as 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 what would be considered a, a marriage. You know, and if the law changes to accord the partners equal rights as well as a marriage, then the only difference is the commitment before before your God, I find. I don't know if you agree. I get, I hear what you're saying, that the, the, if the laws were in line with what was right, then it's just as equal, even both marriages are equal. No, I'm saying that they would be equal, except with the exception that um, the traditional marriage is before God, is before a God, whatever it is that you worship. 
um, and this partnership would be without that requirement. But the legal requirements or the legal benefits to both parties would be the same. So the legal right to the children, the property to whatever, signing, um, do not resuscitate or death, whatever it is, is the same, all of those things. I don't know. You would be accorded the same right because people are fighting for that now. Yeah. You know, when you were talking about rubber banding, though, and you think that, um, Rob, that what things have to go so far in one direction before the other. So, like, take sort of feminism, for example. So, the oppression of women that happened for so long. But then on the other side, like, I think feminism is going so much in the other direction. Mm. Like, there's, yeah. it's, it's going I, too far. Whenever you get a pressure group, so for example, Me Too or uh, Black Lives Matter, what happens is you get all this anger um, and you get people who are doing essentially the same thing that they were doing um, and people yeah, wanted to go in the other direction. Polarised. Positive discrimination and all of these things. So um, you said that sort of, it was sort of more barbaric in the past, what marriages. Am I right? Am I right? Yeah, I think generally society was was more bar, more bar, uh, barbaric. So what what are you saying in terms of marriage? How that's going to what other end of the spectrum? Do you think it's going to swing to? I think it has swung. I think it's um, uh, people a lot. I think so now people are, all that sort of stuff that goes on though. Yeah, uh, it's always gone on, but it just wasn't talked about. I think it, it, it went on a lot more in the past. Um, but it's not confined to marriage, it's confined to relationships. It's, hmm. They're common because um, domestic abuse, whether you're married or you're in a living relationship, yeah. occurs. I'm curious to where you think it's going to end up or sort of catapult to. Um, well, I think I think what ha- now, when you look at statistics, people get married later. So there's there's less of a divorce rate. Um, there's, there's less marriages. Um, people get married later. So I think people are a bit more cautious about getting married. I think gradually what's going to happen is people. Um, I think what you what you've got now is a lot of people are lost in relationships. They're fed up. They're swearing off relationships. I think there's a lot of people that perpetually on dating apps because. They're scared of the next relationship, or because they are don't want the pain, um, and so they're looking for shorter term solutions. Um, or but, they go off to find themselves. They go off on trips to find themselves. They yeah, go off. yeah, I, yeah. And then I think what happens is um, eventually that's not enough because ultimately we still we 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 evolutionary wired. That doesn't change. We still want to pair bomb. We still want all of those things. Um, it's just that we, and that, this is what I was getting at. I don't, the, the key thing is most people don't believe and they don't see how it can be. And if it, the reason why people don't have commitment in relationships is because they don't believe it's going to be better. And they don't believe it's going to be better because they can't see how they can make it better. Well, it's suppressed and it's flung to the other side where people don't really want to invest in a relationship. Is yeah, that they're scared to invest. They're scared to invest because they've seen their parents, they've seen their relationships, and they don't want to go through the hurt again. And they don't see how it will be any better. And that's what I'm talking about. The biggest problem is that we don't see 
what causes relationship problems. So there's generalizations like people aren't committed anymore. Um, people are just after sex. People are um, people are too fearful to today. Um, really down to trust and communication. Generally speaking, of of you know non-educated, would that not be true? It is, um, and but underlying that is how do you do that, and how do you do how do you do that is. So when you talk about the mass media, the mass, and I was joking about the Kardashians because that is where mass media is. Archetype for a lot of people. Sorry, because it's the archetype for a lot of people. Well, yeah, it's easy to watch Instagram and the dramatics of the Kardashians. It's hard to to sit and read us and actually look to that. Yeah, because that's an easy distraction. It's easy to look at things like that. It's hard to read a book or, or really actually change things or really look at what are the real problems. So people distract themselves. And that's what social media does a lot is that it gives people a distraction from the problems that they're facing. Yeah, rather than deal with the feeling, let me just go on my phone and scroll for a bit. Yeah. Switch. And and so now what you're getting is you're getting a lot of um, attention and a lot of books and things on digital minimalism and and managing yourself and and digital addiction so di- um digital addiction is going to be a huge thing i think um and then that will be a problem and that will be so i think when i i think when i was growing up in like the 70s the 80s there was a lot of heroin addiction i don't think there is as much now because i think there was a lot of attention to it um and so i think you you get you get a problem it gets a lot of attention and eventually people work out past that and i think that's how society evolves it looks like it's getting worse and sometimes it, it has to because is people are the- or is it just not you know because you've got films like train spotting and all the rest of it and it was kind of like more pushed to the forefront then is it really gone away or is it just that it's not in our sight anymore um you, sorry what are you talking about like heroin addiction yeah yeah i don't know i don't know but i don't i, I know i'm not aware of it that i used to be um, I do, you don't hear it in, I don't really watch a lot of TV, but you don't hear it in popular references. So I think probably less. I think there are other drugs. Uh, I've um, seen some statistics though, Rob, where in um, looking at young people and there was one article I saw recently, which was even laughing and saying that today's teenagers are quite boring because they don't drink, they're not drinking and they're not smoking and they're not um because they're playing computer games they're all doing all these kinds of things and stuff so they're not spending their time um getting wasted (laughs) but but what this is really interesting though but what why are video games so addictive because they're designed to be (laughs) but yeah but how you weren't allowed to get addicted. Adrenaline to rush. There's an adrenaline rush attached to those games. But what's what's the what's the rush? What is the thing that keeps them addicted? I don't know, but but they're always conquering something. They're always shooting up something. They're killing thing. They're they're powerful. They're smart. They're outsmarting the enemy. It's always a conquest. You can feel because because it's that progress. Yeah. Video games are designed to be addictive by giving yeah. progress. Yeah. And the problem that we have in relationships and things, we don't have any measurements. We don't have any way of keeping um, progress. And so like mastery is like, you're not going to see results. You're going to feel failure. You're going to go down. You're going to do this. Whereas a video game is designed 
and to be exact to adjust to the level so that you're getting constant hits of dopamine it's an illusion that they're making progress yes and but it's also like i know because you know i sit with my son and watch these things sometimes but what a lot of the youtuber gamers do is that their sort of model for keeping kids hooked is to intensify the emotion because they get bored of it after a while and they become numb if if it's all like you know chilled out and you know really sensible and like we're going to build this little thing over here and that's going to be good for this they get bored so they they keep notching the intensive keep intensifying the emotions more and more to keep them hooked Mm. so that they can feel something because everyone's just numbing and, and, and like you said in the, the book that you talked about last weekend, good relationships are boring or it's perceived as boring. It's so, like, so, um, but where does that go? Because where can you, once you've, once you've added all that emotion, how can you add up the, see, that's an obsessive thing. You up the emotion, but how, where can you go from there? And so that's why that blows out. And this is why I think like the Trump thing, because that's what Trump did. Raise, 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 raise. And eventually that's unsustainable and it collapses. And so that's why when it collapses, that's when you have the evolution. Because like all those YouTubers, how can they get any more dramatic? How how can they, but so you need, so that is addiction, video games and all those YouTube and things are addiction because they're giving hits of dopamine. But if you, like they they cut the scenes are like fifteen seconds and like like I think um, Jay Shetty is is like the poster child. You've probably seen his videos, like most watched videos, but he's the poster child for. He's got all these people. Like he actually says nothing of um, r- real substance, but it's it's got. He knows, like, you change the scene every fifteen seconds. You change the dramatic and you play the emotions. So those things hook people, but ultimately, unless they keep up in the ante all every week, it's like soaps have had to get more and more dramatic. Yep. And eventually there's only so many pub shootouts and only so many kidnappings and things that you can have. Yeah, some of our family members still watch like this soap that they've watched for the last how many years? What's that about? (laughs) Because they're related, they relate to the characters and they have their favorites and they want, yeah. And it's like your family, it it has become your family member. I, you know, and I don't know, the archers and all of those. I've never listened, so I, I can't tell you, but. They, they become part of the family and they identify with the stories and they want, I bet you it's going to be so and so and so and this one is going to kill one so and so and so and I bet you that one is going to get married to so and so and that one is going to get divorced. So they are living it and it's it's like uh, you suspend your miserable life and you go into the exotic um, make-believe world. Same with food. Are we having circular discussions though and not actually ever getting to understand a common understanding or a common sort of solution or do you, I, I don't know. It's kind of obviously the, the conversation's really interesting and there's loads of really good points and knowledge being shared, but it's kind of like, are we just kind of share Like it feels like there should be some common understanding. Um, I just think something. What here in, here in the group? Yeah. Um, 
Probably because there's only so much you can go intellectually. So there has to be, um, you, you then have to like live it. So most, there, there are only a few principles. This is what I'm talking about. Mastery is only a few things. It's, it's, it's about like three or five fundamentals. Um, and then everything, like I, I remember when I was doing psychology, basically every, every, um, essay on every subject was nature versus nurture. It was whether it's social construction, whether it's behaviorist or whether it's evolutionary or all of these different schools of thoughts. And so there was about all of them principles came into everything. Um, and so, yes, w- you, we can, um, like the, the first group that I ran ran for about 18 months and my frustration was that it didn't change anything because and so then I, I brought in um like okay what's the one thing that you're going to do um and immediately when there was like an accountability about half the group went um <laughs> and it was because people and then afterwards people spoke and it was actually it was all the men <laughs> um and the women said well, you, well yeah everyone's talking a good game and everyone's a saint but um no one's actually like doing anything so so yes um talking about it same as reading a book isn't going to change anything and that's why that's why like i got i got to the like the relational mastery dojo because it has to be that practice it has to be um something measurable that you focus on and change because you can talk you you, you just rationalize um and you can talk all and people do that's why many people stay in therapy for years because all you all you end up doing is you talk about your childhood and then you create more and more stories um that may or may not bear any resemblance to what actually happened but somewhere along the line you have to act but then i think though that um we all have different um experiences we are on different trajectories and uh, different elements of the conversations will resonate um with each of us and so there isn't a single narrative that we could distill from the discussions each discussion overall yes i think that there is um a thread that we could probably um say that yeah collectively this is what is emanating from all of these discussions um but nonetheless i think that there is value to what what we're doing uh and maybe it it doesn't um it doesn't manifest itself right away you know as we are going along but the further along we go i think um as things become more concrete in our mind that then i think the value will will start to um reveal itself to 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 each of us because this is not my area of of, of 
of expertise by no means. Um, and so it's great to have rub around because it's something yes, to exactly because all i can talk to is my my lived experience nothing else um so yeah. i learn a lot situation and healing this this healing can't happen yet even the terminologies and 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 um and how um things are you know, um, defined, etc. It's just not me, you know, talk, talk to me about other things. But this, so this for me is a learning experience. So I am not looking for a recipe for my life. What I'm looking for is insights into different things, some of which I may not even have considered because I didn't know. Okay. So in a sense, that's enlightening for me. And if I have that information, then I can use that as part of my um, my analysis as I go along and I look at various aspects of what I want to do and me, because that's how I am. I scuttle away with my thoughts and I pick myself to pieces and then I will come to a decision. Collecting information. So in yeah, exactly. So it's the collecting of the information in. and understanding and seeing how they um, connect. Yeah. Which for me, oh. yeah, because Rob can't solve my problems. <laughs> oh, no, I'm just saying that. I think it's got, you know, if we've not got a lot of knowledge on something, I think it's really good to have somebody that has. And yeah. it's nice to hear that from other people. Um uh, I think and there is a lot. Getting, what are your goals, Rob? Getting getting other people's um, insight is also um, interesting because um, I'm not a man, so when I get a male perspective on something that um, that I probably never thought about or or had no inkling, then it also helps me to look on the the other side as best as I can. And not just think that it's just my opinion alone that I should consider. If you know, you you know, you know what I mean. Because we tend to, oh, but this is how I feel, and this is how it must be because this is how I feel. Um, and in many instances, it's because we have absolutely no insight into the other side. So, um, and if you ask directly, you may not get an answer. But in a, in a forum like this, you get you get it tangentially but it is still valuable it's very valuable so um means on facts and when you get the facts it helps you sort of yeah yeah but you have to yeah so over time i think it's almost like a jigsaw puzzle and you start to pull the pieces together so uh, i think all in all I, I i don't think anybody could um expect a prescription, a recipe, because it's individual, it's different for everybody, you know, different seasonings, different flavors, different things go for for, for each of us. But um, I think, it, but the, 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 um, the set of ingredients that we are drawing from are the same, but we are putting together different recipes. Yeah. And that's, that, that's, that's what I think. What are your hopes for the group, Rob? Um, can I, I'll just pick up on a couple of things. I think some of it is is like you said, when you're you learn when you're emotionally ready, 
um, or psychologically ready. So, for example, like I can read any of these kind of books um, and because I have a frame of reference, they're quite easy for me because I've always kind of read those kind of books. So, and I've given a lot of time and attention to, to people and how people work. So that's quite easy. So I can get like an idea and I sort of understand it without even reading the whole thing. But then, so I was reading a business book recently and um, okay, yeah, this is it. This is like a, a system that I can use. Um, and then, I thought I read that four years ago and I just skipped over it. And so I'm, I'm aware that in the areas that I need to grow in that um, some is, it doesn't happen until I'm ready until I've, I don't know, whatever fears or whatever. It's a process. I think it's partly down to feeling a self-worth and being open to that being in your life at that stage. I think we you spoke a bit about um, sort of self-limiting beliefs earlier. And I think as, if we've got a self-limiting belief and we're not aware of it at that point, we won't let that information in. We can't learn from it until that self-limiting belief is gone. Yeah. And, and that's what I'm talking about, the medieval mentality. People don't even believe it. And so they don't even look for it. So, um, and also, although we're saying the same things, it's because you don't, like if you read a book, you'll maybe get three, two, three, four, five ideas. But there's like, if this is someone's life work, they put 30 years into, there's, you know, like real deep, really deep ideas. Like if you look at, so like loads of people say that uh, five love languages has been, you know, critical for them mastering relationships. That's really one idea. Um, And so, I think the thing about that is it's, it's such an easy book to read. It's such an easy idea to get that it's it's easy for someone to take. But there is so much more, um, but we don't see it. And so, like, sometimes you need to read five different books on the same subject to, to get the idea. Or sometimes you need to be in the right frame of mind. And sometimes you can read the same book um, and um, you get different things from it because you're in a different state of mind um so what are my goals for the group um really what i'm looking to do is build a community um and because if there are people like for example you who've sort of been through this and you've worked out some so this is where, where i work out my ideas so this is where i work out what i'm thinking i sort of test it out i get um different insights you know from different people as you share ideas um and uh then so then i polish it um and so then the polished version makes it easier so we're talking about how do people change you get the early adopters so everyone here is an early adopter because they're on the leading edge of what are the ideas the people who come behind aren't going to invest as much time so they need something more polished and so they'll pay money to get something that they can get quicker because the ideas that maybe take two or three months for someone to learn here can be refined and polished. So it's easier. Um, so it's for that, but mainly to build a community so that one people see other people who've done it Two, um, that they're like, 
so we also talked about central narratives. The central, the, the only common belief system that we have to share is what was in last week that we have control, that we're fighting to be free for our own, to make our own recipe. So, um, so that can't all come from me because like I could, you know, if I was going to sell a recipe, um, then I think that's what's wrong with a lot of systems is it's like, I did this, you know, um, you know, I was poor and now I'm rich. I did this. What, here's what you need to do. And not everyone, follow fits the like the cookie cutting recipe so there needs to be different people there needs to be diversity there needs to be some people who are who are a little bit further along the, the path who can help others so if we build a community and there is all this knowledge bank of diversity different people who've done it in different ways um that's really what i'm my goals are and then you just yeah and then there's a distillation of 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 commonalities um through all of that diversity and uh i think that those those are the um the takeaways from all of the discussions yeah so 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 what i'm looking at doing now is going back through them all um and there's like two three hours um but to put on like one page two pages so other people can get the main ideas. Um, More digestible, mm. easier to catch on to and quicker to pick yeah. up. Like yeah, because I mean, if you look at how much time we've we've invested in this um, and someone else can get the principles, but even when they get that principles, they're still going to need, like people ask, ask the same questions over and over again because everyone thinks my situation is different and a lot of it is like me reading this book four years ago and then suddenly reading it again go oh why didn't i do this um and it's simply because i just wasn't ready to to hear it i needed to dabble and hack and um obsess and all those things in order to realize okay no you just need to do the fundamentals yeah because you need to appreciate what you read Sorry, you need to fully appreciate what you read. It's like yeah. reading a book before, um, before you you can actually comprehend that book. Because that has happened to me. There are a number of books that I read when I was about twelve, thirteen, that I thought I understood, but I was really reading words. And when you read them as an adult, you say, "Oh, that's what that is about," you know, Pride and Prejudice and all of those books. I mean, good God, I read them when I was too young. I think I didn't get it. Reading them as adult, as an adult now, it's like, okay. <laughs> so uh, you're you're right. You read and you um, intellectually you 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 understand and you digest it but it doesn't resonate until it's in the proper context and something else falls into it falls into place when it falls into place with you then anything else that comes that is relevant to it then you see the connection which is probably why you saw it with with the business um the the, the business um 
book that you are reading. And even now, now that we are shifting away from um, certain things um, like job descriptions and um, job titles and all of those things in the age of AI and stuff, um, and the flattening of the work organization, you're going to find that more and more of what you're doing is becoming increasingly relevant because it's the soft skills of people. It's, you know, those qualities, leadership, empathy, um, all of those things, team building and so forth that um, now people are looking for rather than, you know, the piece of paper. Mm-hmm. And and it's, it's, it's what you do that then, then comes into play. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be about marriage though, Rob's not, you're not about really marriage, it's more about relationships, isn't it? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But I mean, actually, um, my goal is to like have a, a solution for dating, so which like a system, so that goes from dating to the relationship. Um, you know, on the point you're making about sort of these sort of ones that give you these tactics, it is. I was thinking about that, and it is literally just it's just like one manipulation after another, and then once you're in the relationship, it's just like. What have you got? There's no foundation there to build anything from. But but that's what people want to buy, um, which is like junk food is against yeah. the real thing. But yeah, so I want to build um, that system. But then I want to work and um, with teams um, and use this, basically the same. Doing what I wanted to do for years after reading all of these books was like I've read all of this now I need to put it into practice somewhere and I didn't get married along this trajectory so <laughs> yeah I like what you're doing it's good <laughs> I always thought well I'll have to help I'll get married myself and then I'll have to get other young people that are struggling to get married and share my knowledge with them and my experiences to help them on their way and all the rest of it so really oh. really appreciate what you're doing and I, have to I think desperately, you. if there's a market, <laughs> if there's a market, um, schools of, of, I used to work in a school um, and I wanted to do a group. I couldn't do it because I'm a, I'm a man and it, it wouldn't work. But the girls that were getting into abusive relationships without, because they saw it at home and they got boyfriends and they didn't think there was a problem with it. And like I tried to get some of my colleagues to, to run like a group because I used to run groups, but I couldn't, as a man, I don't think I could do like be relatable enough. I, I don't think that's a topic I could cover. Um, it needed to come from a woman, um, but no one wants to, to do it. But yeah, there's a desperate need. So um, yeah, I think that would be, definitely something you could do. And I don't think you necessarily have to um, be in a relationship or be married. Any extra responsibility right now. (laughs) Yeah. No, but it's just, I mean, like I'm at a point where my my daughters have. um, Yeah. You've got the time and the energy and the space to do it. Yeah. Yeah. You have to you have to unmarry my mind, <laughs> Rob. That's what that's what I'm doing. So Sasha, you want to you want to marry and I want to unmarry. <laughs> <laughs> so I have to I have to stop thinking just stop thinking like a married person. I have to stop thinking like a married person. To be healthy plants and have good relationships in general. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, because you're conditioned, you know, no matter what you think, you uh, once you're, if you're in a marriage, you are conditioned after a while, you behave in a certain way, you think, because yeah. you think, you think for two, your consideration is always for two. You even just fiddle with the ring. It took me for a while. I just don't have the ring anymore, but my ring never quite fit. So I was always fiddling with it. COVID, because of COVID, I've taken off my ring. Because of COVID, I've taken off my ring. Because I normally wear it in Uh, my right hand, but but it's a very, it's a broad band. And so with COVID, um, you know, bacteria underneath the band. So I took it off. But um, it's the kind of thing where I was very conscious when I was designing the ring that I wanted a ring that I could wear after. (laughs) It's like I knew if this happens, I still want that ring. And I do, but COVID, I have taken it off. But yeah, every every now and again, I look and say, okay, no ring. You stayed in a relationship that you really didn't want to stay in. It's a very odd thing because we are friends in a sense. We get along and we would go on trips and travel around the world and thing and what have you. But, right. but and we are very civil because even now, I mean, we don't argue and we send each other texts by WhatsApp, um, this cartoon and that, whatever, whatever. But we, we don't discuss anything. Of, we don't talk. Um but I'm not angry. It's just something that has um it's 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 done. It's just over. That part is over. But we even if the relationship's still there to some extent, I think that sort of thing's a grief. Yeah, yeah, you grieve over it because you didn't think that it was going to um it would end the whole lifestyle. Going to marriage, not thinking that's gonna end really. But um it's, uh, it's had a useful life and it's it's done. So, I mean, I don't hate him. He do, I don't think he hates me. Um, we have a son that we both adore and, you know, we can talk about it and, and stuff. And um, I have no intentions of quarreling with him over over silver and crystal and all of those and furniture and all of that kind of stuff. You know, some people get into, oh, but this was the wedding present from so-and-so, so I must have it, you know, and I'll have half the cat and half the dog and all of that nonsense. Uh, I'm not hung up on that. So... Um, Easier way out, isn't it? Yeah, so I think I think we will, we'll be able to... Um, deal with all of that quite easily my 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 thinking is uh, and i refuse to um i've seen people who get into a funk about oh i'm such a failure because i failed at this i i, I, I don't think so i i i i i, I, I just I'm that i've never entertained that thought because I think really it it takes two, and sometimes circumstances work in such a way that um, it's better if you uh, if you if if you just acknowledge that it's it, it doesn't fit the bill anymore for either of you. Helen, Helen Fisher um, said that when they she looked at 
um, like older cultures, like cultures that were more hunter-gatherer cultures, they always had the thing of about a third of marriages just didn't work, but there was no shame in it. It was just, they, they just don't work. Um, it's better that they move on and be happy. Um, whereas once the law and everything got involved, it became this pressure. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, and I think um, it, it's it's also a part of of, of your own um, growth that you recognize more and more. The, the, the myth when you're young is, you know, oh, the ideal situation is to be part of a couple, part of this family structure with children and all the rest of it. Um, they never tell you about when the child or the children grow up and leave home and you reunite as a, as a couple that there might be very little in common that will draw you together again. Um, uh, or one person has grown in a totally different direction to, to, to another. And, you know, how do you go forward? And sometimes it's just, it's, it's just better to, 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 to be friends and, and just end that formal part of the relationship. But I think it takes, it takes, um, it takes a lot of, thought and it takes a lot of um, not <sighs> blaming, casting blame, looking for fault in the other party to give yourself an excuse, um, acknowledging your role in it. And um, But also to me, my main thing is the rest of my life, I would like it to be the best of my life because um, it's to come and what I need to do now is to make the necessary um, adjustments to enable me to, uh, to, to to fulfill that 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 part I think I see what you're saying that's a good attitude to have but I think there's a part of it where you should just be able to sit with your emotions a bit as well and I don't know well, uh, well I think there's I think there's two journeys I think there's the practical there's yeah. the practical. And then there's the narrative, yeah, the emotional. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I, so I think that's what you're saying, um, Sasha, is like the narrative and the practical. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. But um, you're, you're absolutely correct. Sort of thing in the heart. Shouldn't ignore the, the head shouldn't ignore the heart and the heart shouldn't ignore the exactly. head. Exactly. But, and, 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 but part of, of coming to the realisation that this is the best way also involves that because that is um, a critical component of trying to, as you say, use your term master, to master uh, that you that you want to be going forward. Um, it's, it's, the, it's the combination of both and in considering, in, in considering making that move, you have to look at whether or not that part of it is being fulfilled and how you feel about it. And if it's not being fulfilled, then that is that to me is um, why it is that you need to look at the other parts as well, because people um, look at money, for example, and security and use that as justification for staying and sacrificing the fulfillment of, of self. Uh, 
and that self-love that they need to have for themselves. And, 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 and I think um, it's not easy. It is very difficult in certain respects um, to be on your own, but nonetheless, um, I, I think it, 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 yeah, but in, in a practical sense, it, it does. I mean, for me, um, because I've been on my own for so long, it's not new. For somebody, if if it was, if I had been living for 34 years with, uh, with him in, in the same house, it would have been more difficult for me to separate myself. But because I've been here for 22 years, um, <laughs> you know, it's, um, it's like I've been single all the time. So it's, it's, it's just my head that needed fixing. So. There you have it. Well, here's the 2021. I agree with you and all the best. And Sasha, I hope that um, husband number one will <laughs> come around the corner soon. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. I'm, we're, I'm, we're hoping for an invite. I think you. I think you turn up when you least expect it. <laughs> yeah. That's what we all say when we're still waiting. <laughs> 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 it's just a matter of time yeah just make sure that you don't turn any offers out of off just out of hand give it a shot first <laughs> you'll be surprised <laughs> you might be right there in front of you <coughs> sorry anyway I'm off We've, we didn't close early and, and get all settled to, for a good night's sleep, did we? We're just going to drag <laughs> Sasha into our late nights. Actually, I think this is late in the light with my laptop on for like five years or something. <laughs> it's 11.30. This is perfect for me. I think this will get me to sleep. So right. next week. Okay. Right. Well, Thanks a lot, Rob. Thank you. Have a good week. You, you too. too. Okay, bye. See you next week. Bye-bye.